To all listeners, and welcome as we are gathered here today to mourn a favorite uh, character, a favorite secondary character that everyone loves and cherishes and will remember uh, forever after this episode. So raise your glass and farewell to that one doctor guy um, that we're never going to see him again after this episode. I'm really sorry, everyone. I'm uh, not. It, it 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 hurts my heart. He he gets he gets this. replaced with uh with with Doctor Fraser. Yeah, and yes. uh, even like he he gets replaced in this yeah, episode by Doctor Warner also because <laughs> like yeah, there's there's several doctors. Anyway, I'm just kidding, everyone. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Jaffa Takes, uh, a Stargate rewatch podcast where we rewatch Stargate and and then talk about it on a podcast. I'm your host, Simon, and today joining us, we have Eric. Hello. Kavika. Hey. And M. Hello. And today we're covering the first regular length episode of Stargate SG-1, which is season one, episode two, The Enemy Within. Um, yeah, first uh, regular sorry. length. Yeah, the, it's the first podcast episode where we cover an entire episode of the show. So <laughs> I guess make up that what you will. Uh, it's it's pretty nice that we get to start and finish something in a single go this time around. I guess I'm excited, uh, but this episode is sad. It's a bummer. <laughs> it's like I think like a bunch of us when we started uh, doing this rewatch. Uh, like I I I expressed this, and I also heard I think you Kavika saying that, uh, echoing my sentiments about this uh, that. The, the the series starts off on a series of like oh downers. yeah downers yeah yeah it's like, it's, oh man it's so, real bummers it's <laughs> yeah it's so grim and sad it, the, like we get like we get to the first status quo of the show after this episode and it gets a little like more lighthearted from there but like together they just like <laughs> wow the writers were like hey, let's just kill off and like send off and damsel a bunch of secondary characters on the way there to like raise the stakes and right. establish that the galaxy is a dangerous place and everything remember those remember um, those people from the first movie that you thought was really fun and that you liked uh-huh. well guess what <laughs> yeah guess what i mean Freddy's fine he's <laughs> he's basically out of the show at this point he's barely gonna, ever gonna show up again but uh, he made it out that's that's french Stewart. like french french is the one survivor that got out of it and never looked back i guess um <clears throat> anyway uh the enemy within as, as so as you can like as you remember from the end of last episode uh we ended on a cliffhanger where after coming back from chulak we had uh well we saw it, we saw it happen it wasn't really a surprise uh, at the end of the episode but uh kowalski got uh, possessed by a gold larva that jumped out of a Jaffa in, into his neck, and we saw at the end of the episode that uh, his eyes were glowing, and he was looking really evil and angry and stuff uh, right out of the, right out of the Stargate. Uh, so this episode picks up 
directly from that. I guess it's been about a week or something because that's if I mean the the the, the timeline is kind of loose and uh, fast and loose in the show, but uh, can more or less assume that it's happening in more uh, more or less on pace with the rate that the episodes were being released in sort of real time. So, of course, exceptions like when there's a cliffhanger in the next episode picks up uh, seconds later. It's not a week later, obviously, but um, <clears throat> basically, it's been, we can assume, a week. And uh, we, we open with uh, General Hammond pointing at the very lovely... Uh, 2D glass star <laughs> map that they have in the, the the control room. That every time we see it, we 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 mention that it doesn't make sense for the galaxy to re- be represented on a 2D map. None anyway, at, none at I all. guess. Yeah, and it's not even a full circle. No, it's not, and it looks really <laughs> like for what we see of it. Like we see, there's, there's a bunch of planet numbers printed on it. Uh, even like there is like attention to detail because the first. Uh, planet uh, Hammond mentions is one that's actually printed on the glass because uh, he says P3575 and then he mentioned these planets des- designated uh, yeah P3575 and P3A577 which like the camera kind of zooms past too fast to so before we can see that it's on there uh, I, the, the only reason I'm, I'm focusing so much on this <laughs> map and the, the planet names printed on it is that I, they look kind of engraved into the glass or something oh yeah they look that yeah, and that's that's going to be a pain considering they're going to discover a dozen to hundreds of different planets over the course of this show. Is someone going to have to go in there with a chisel and add them to the map every time? Uh, just use a wet erase. And then they're going to go to those planets, and some of them are going to have actual names. You're going to have to like, uh-huh. oh yeah, god, I that stuff. <laughs> right, that's right. Um, no, this is America. We will give them a name. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah that happens. Uh, like we, we did mention last episode that it's not really clear if Chulak is the name of that planet or just the, the one city on that planet. Yeah, <laughs> Or if, that's, and or if when, that city is just the only thing on the planet. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in, in grand uh, white people naming stuff tradition, they just took the one name they heard and decided to apply it to the wider area. Uh, that's how we got Canada and Quebec and like a bunch of states in the U.S. And that's how we get Chulak. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh doesn't really matter for this episode because, uh, spoiler alert, we ain't going anywhere this don't, week. Don't this, go nowhere. Nope. This is one of the few. I, I think I counted four episodes he, in season one that don't leave Earth at all. Kowal- um, Kowalski even says it. He says, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, the, it was the, raining the, in Vancouver that week, so they're like, "Okay, fine, we're going to film an inside episode today." <laughs> yeah, the the gift of prophecy. Uh, also, like they they had a really tight budget for their season, and they were like, "It would be nice to have an episode that's shot entirely on our standing set and has two guest stars in it, and that's it." Um, so this is what in the TV biz. Uh, Jimmy Dean could tell you if he was here. They call a bottle episode. Uh, it's it's basically like when there's a Star Trek and it, the whole the whole episode is on the ship. It's the same basic idea. It's a money saving measure because um, they don't have to go anywhere or build new sets or anything. Um, and I think it's a it's an opportunity to uh, just do straight up character development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To to make this to to make the story more internal, I guess, instead of external we're, we're not exploring out there we're exploring in here uh, in this case very specifically in major charles kowalski uh in, in this episode's case 
Um, so yeah, after Hammond is giving them a little bit of a briefing, uh, O'Neill Kowalski just play their bit that they must have rehearsed, I guess, because they start playfully arguing over which planet they're going to pick, because it's really funny, because they're just named P3-something-something with numbers, and, like, it doesn't, like, it's just a random number. None of them know what the planets are going to be. There's no reason to be emotionally attached to them. And no, they I mean, like they're they just, th- this, is a, this is a typical, you know, razzing of uh, yeah. uh, upwards. What's interesting yep. to me, okay, mm-hmm. so their dynamic Mm-hmm. is such that you would believe that O'Neill and Kowalski have been in a squad for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That they were, you know, this was this was their old serving platoon from the Gulf War. Yeah. yeah. They served one is... mission together. Yeah, no, but... <laughs> two. Two, yeah, two missions. Mission. Two lack. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there was Abydos. There was, well, there was Abydos twice, and then there was Chulak. Um, also, it's 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 uh, maybe only implied now, but like uh, explicitly uh, confirmed later that uh, O'Neill and Kowalski were actually uh, buddies from before this whole thing. Like they worked together. I think it's uh, implied, if not outright stated, that they did fight in the Gulf War. Both of okay, them. Okay, okay, I might um, have missed that. Yeah. yeah, that definitely wasn't the case in the movie. They did not know each other. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, they were just serving under each other. Like O'Neill got recruited there, and uh, yeah, or you 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 can kind of backfill in that uh, O'Neill went to the SGC, and then like he was like, "Well, you should get the people I know to to be on my team," and he had them call call Kowalski and maybe Freddy over because I guess Freddy, like we don't see Freddy and O'Neill interacting much, but it's implied that he's really close friends with Kowalski, so maybe there, there's like some kind of bond there also that's it's just those three guys went to war together they survived and whatever and now they're really close friends uh it's not i we we don't ever see uh any military operations dating from before all this except no there's there's an episode in season two where we do get a kind of flashback to uh o'neill and kowalski actually um in uh in some kind of black ops or spy shit like they were rescuing hostages uh, okay. somewhere in Europe at some point which I guess was during the Cold War I don't know um, it's not Do very a job clear. for the Phoenix Foundation anyway the main point to uh, retain from this little goofy interaction is that this is shorthand for these two men are close friends with each other and they care about each other because that's the emotional core of this episode. Um, These guys so, care about each other, so what's about to happen is going to be very sad. <laughs> yes. It's going to be very sad, viewers, if you don't remember the pilot or you, or you haven't been there. Or if we're making the show and we actually haven't shot this show in a year since we made the pilot before the show was picked up and everything, uh, to remind ourselves of the relationship here. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so uh, as they're playfully arguing with each other, Hammond points to them and says, uh, how about I'm the general and you're going <laughs> to shut the fuck up and do what I say? Uh, <laughs> which is a fair point. Um, and then, like, while as they're talking, the, the Stargate uh, starts spinning up. Uh, you hear Walter saying, uh, Stargate activate, is activating, whatever, closing the iris. And then the, com- the computer tells them that there's no uh, SG team code or anything. So it's not their people, and then they immediately go into 
high alert to the point where they spin up the self-destruct of the base just in case uh, the enemy get, goes through, which is... <laughs> I don't know if they're going to keep doing that every single time they have an unrecognized <laughs> off-world activation. Uh, that seems like a lot. It's never going to be mentioned again, but wow. Okay. Uh, um, we also get to our pretty much week weekly section of how the fuck does a Stargate actually work? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, take it away, M. Like, tell us what happens with the iris and how that works. Yeah. So they get the un- <laughs> they get the unscheduled activation. They immediately close the iris. The wormhole opens. Doesn't Kawush destroy the iris? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But it op- but it fully opens enough for the signal to get through for the. For a signal to possibly get through for them to tell if there was a friendly SG team on the other side, there isn't. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, Gelwold soldiers start coming through and make clang sounds on the back of the iris. Yeah, they go wham, 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 bang, bang, pow. Very- has got to be very close, <laughs> gross to clean up later. <laughs> no, no, no they, they say they don't. They they don't uh, come together at all. They they don't reintegrate. Yeah, they're they're basically Some, still something is still manifesting energy. to make that sound. Yeah. So. Okay, that that part I feel like is pretty well covered. Like, as they come out of the wormhole, they are still energy, and they're not uh, reintegrated by the receiving end I of the Stargate, because the, blo- yeah, the iris is blocking that process. So what, what slams into the iris is the energy of their body, um, which, okay, like E equals MC squared, so it would actually be <laughs> nuclear explosions and not you know, the force of a body slamming into a, a sheet of metal. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's just uh, get go past that one because uh, that's what, you know, it's, it's way too heavy science for what they're going for here. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, the other thing you mentioned, the iris doesn't get uh, disintegrated, correct? That, that doesn't seem like it should work that way. Um, so everything we've, we've heard about uh, Star- Stargates being buried and stuff tells us that if the Stargate on the receiving end is completely obstructed by, say, an iris, uh, it shouldn't open the wormhole at all. It should stop it from happening. So, so the way that they talk about it is as if there's a difference between blocking the entirety of it mm-hmm. and blocking just, like, right under the surface. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make sense to me, but yeah, it doesn't. I, <laughs> you, you I, I didn't ta- design the Stargate, so I don't know. No. And I think the writers just see it as, you know, the iris is the lock on the Stargate, and we close the lock when we don't yeah. know who it is, and they slam into it, and don't think about it much harder than that. And um, we don't have to add the animation every time. Exactly, <laughs> because that that effect they're gonna. Well, I mean, the effect is done. It, it they. They're going to reuse it a bunch. It doesn't really cost them anything at this point. Um, I mean, they should just drill a hole through the Stargate, put a metal <laughs> beam in there. And that way it can't <laughs> dial. Problem solved. Yeah, That's, just you put, know, the, yeah. put the club on it, basically, yeah. Uh, oh, but, the, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The traffic clamp? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the big red rod that like uh, blocks your steering wheel from turning. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're 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 going to be like they they talked about it in the Children of the Gods, where they're going to seal the iris permanently, and there's going to be talk later on of just welding the iris onto the Stargate so that it can ne- never be removed. And it's always implied when they do this that the Stargate can't open again after that point. So I don't know, make of that what you will. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can't make anything outgoing at that point. 
But yeah. the Yeah. It it opened behind the iris. We saw that happen. Uh-huh. You can kind of rationalize that they need to leave it open when the Stargate is inactive in case it they get like an outgoing an incoming wormhole and they don't know who it is and they don't want to just shut the door in case it's something important or someone good or whatever or it's the good aliens trying to contact them so like you you get why they would maybe let it open and then shut the iris until they receive a transmission especially since you can't send radio waves through it at but, that but point they sh- but they shut this one before it opened so yeah <laughs> but that, I feel, I mean part of it is that it's the magic rider powers where the narrative knows it's the bad guys so we know that the the the, the iris needs to be closed and then it's going to go wham 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 um at this point, I'm just waiting to see until they, they could give us at least one whole episode without us having to ask questions about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think next episode, the Stargate barely appears in it anyway, so we get to like focus on the numerous other problems of that episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, while they're, they're watching the, the, the splatter happening... Um, they they discuss like they're not going to keep that up forever, are they? And like Carter says, well, they're going to realize that it's not doing anything, and they're going to stop, right? And then Kowalski gives us a little hint that he's maybe like losing it because he says, well, I kind of wish it was open because then we'd get to like just shoot them a bunch, and that would be satisfying. <laughs> I, I, I would just... like to let them in. Yeah, so, let so them that we can kick them. their asses, not not so they yeah, can defeat right, us right, with right. their superior alien weaponry. I am not a traitor. Not, not other reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, at this point in the episode, it's still Kowalski that's in control of his body mostly. Uh, so this we we can take that as like the 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 Gwold's subtle influence just starting to seep into his brain. Um, anyway, so uh, after it go, it stops going wham wham wham. Uh, the wormhole shuts down. They send like a, a radiation team with Geiger counters over to the gate to check that in case they sent, I don't know, a nuke through and something radioactive and like try to radiation poison the gate room or something. It's not really clear uh, why that's a concern or anything. I guess maybe someone mentioned that was a possibility that uh, gamma radiation could make it through or something. I don't know. Um, that's another thing that's not not really going to come up anymore after this. Uh, then O'Neill uh, mentions the elephant in the room, which is, well, there's got to be worse ways to go, right? And then sweet, innocent, naive Daniel turns to him, shock on his face, and asks, oh, don't you don't think there could be sending people through, could you? <laughs> and... You know, yes, Daniel, I think that's exactly what they're doing. They're sending Jaffa by the dozens through that Stargate trying to get through, and they don't care that they, these Jaffa don't come back alive because they're bad guys and they think they're gods. Um, but, like, yeah, O'Neill says uh, much much less eloquently than this, they're like bugs on the windshield. They just yeah. went splat, and there's no more of them now. Honestly, th- this this whole sequence with the like dialing the gate dialing through multiple times, like uh-huh. reminds me of the the bit at the start of Battlestar Galactic, the first couple episodes of Battlestar yeah, Galactica, yeah. where they have to jump every exactly every twenty minutes. Yes. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, and it's gonna uh, there's gonna be an episode like near the end of this season where, uh, like they're being like kind of attacked by the bad guys and. 
one of the ways that they're uh, putting them on siege is that they're constantly dialing their Stargate to keep it open to basically hold their line so that they can't use the Stargate from their side because as long as it's open, they can't dial out. They can't so dial that, out. That, they can't get someone to someone else friendly to come in and help. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that's like a legit like. Uh, I guess it, it's kind of a f- form of cyber warfare. You're just like uh, it's a it's a denial of service on the Stargate, basically. <laughs> is what it's it comes like down when to you're mad at your brothers so you get on the <laughs> phone with somebody else so they can uh-huh. dial up the modem to get on the internet yeah i was gonna say pick up the phone and start making noises into it to just knock them offline on their 56k modem yeah basically the same idea uh, <laughs> um so yeah, after all this is done, Hammond calls for to, for lifting the alert. Uh, we see that they abort the auto destruct. The guards in the gate room stand down and everything. They open the iris. Everything is fine for now. Uh, and then like we zoom in on Kowalski slowly, who like puts his hand on the back of his neck and, and like seems to be hurting. And O'Neill sees him and says, "Oh, what's wrong?" And he says, "Ah, oh, I have a big headache, and I I did did take a fistful of aspirin, but it's not helping." <laughs> um, so O'Neill tells him to go down to the infirmary. Uh, so yeah, he does that uh, after Hammond gives him permission. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a, a sweet moment at the end of the scene because uh, Hammond tells Kowalski that uh, he needs him to lead his team to P three five seven five. And then like he like he kind of walks past O'Neill and just kind of like gives him a little tap on his belly, and O'Neill kind of laughs because he's satisfied or whatever that he got the planet he wanted. I forget if, if that's the one he said he wanted or the opposite. It doesn't really matter, but that's just like the the conclusion to this little joke. And then right after they do that, the Stargate starts spinning up again, and they do the whole thing again, and they start uh, the self-destruct at three minutes, which, by the way, seems really low considering we're going to eventually learn that the Stargate can stay open for 38 minutes, but right. uh, whatever. <clears throat> So, yeah. Then we get some exposition about the iris, because Daniel asks if it's going to be, if it's going to hold. And like, uh, Carter explains, well, it's, it's less than three micrometers from the event horizon. So. And that's uh, what, that's what's. So, I think what it is. Mm-hmm. Now that it doesn't make sense if it's closed. No. Uh, uh, while while the star get opens, it would it should yeah. it should disintegrate it. It should like, cut the, a hole the, the right only, through it. The the only way it makes sense is if like that short distance somehow interrupts the process that causes the kawoosh but doesn't stop the wormhole from right. forming for some Very reason. Possibly. But whatever, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it should be disintegrated, even though that hasn't been decided yet. I think that's yeah, I guess in season maybe they two just that they. They just haven't decided that yet. Yeah, <laughs> they, they establish like Kubush science. It's it's among things that they haven't decided yet. Like Neoti's gender, for example. That's another thing that's going to come up uh, later this season. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, so yeah, after uh, Carter like tells them the science words, O'Neill uh, restates the question because he didn't get any of that. He says, "So is it going to hold?" Uh, and then Carter says, "Well." If it doesn't, uh, we're just going to blow up anyway, and it'll bury the target under the entire Cheyenne Mountain, so it's not going to be much of a problem anymore. This just and doesn't just like, seem yeah. like a good plan. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate failsafe. It's, <laughs> it's basically the plan that all the anti-Stargate people in Washington want to go for. 
uh, just uh, a, a more dramatic and violent version of it, I guess. Uh, and Uriel says, ah, oh, yeah, much better. I would really like that to just <laughs> blow up in this space self-destructing. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, uh, we get a slow zoom into the circuit, and then it's our, actually, I should mention it, new opening uh, scene for that it's going to be for the first three seasons of this show, uh, which is uh, your classic 90s TV montage of scenes. Uh, just a, of the, a few of bits the of trim. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not just like there's a couple uh, shots from season two in there, which is like uh, part of the bit of trivia I wanted to mention is that uh, this is the syndication opening that they put when they syndicated the show on other channels after the original airing. Uh, which is how you get a few shots that are, once you know what they're, what, which episodes they're from, are really recognizable as being in season two. Uh, but mo most of the shots are from season one because that, that sequence was made sometime when season two was new. Um, but yeah, uh, it's exciting and everything. And we get like, uh, nice shots of all the, the main, uh, actors as their names are on screen. So we could get to put a name to everyone's face, which is always nice. Uh, so, so long, uh, slow pan over the Pharaoh head. We're going to see it back starting uh, in season four or late season three uh, when when this this opening goes away once again. Um, so, yeah, uh, after we're through this, uh, we open uh, the episode proper on uh, Hammond calling O'Neill over to his office um, and Hammond tries to make some small talk about how uh, now he has a headache too because of the job, like Kowalski, <laughs> haha. And then O'Neill says, okay, uh, so what's the bad news you want to tell me? <laughs> and then there's a funny bit where Hammond says, uh, you don't want to make any small talk, huh? And O'Neill says, okay, how was your weekend? Did you get any fishing in? Uh, so Hammond gets the point. He says, okay, uh, Teal can be on your team, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get back to that thing, which is only requested that at the end of that of last episode, and Hammond did say uh, that's not up to him. Now he's saying, "Well, okay, uh, I tried to run this other chain of command, and now we have a colonel coming from over from the Pentagon to ask him a bunch of questions, and if he can't go on the mission with you, and he's probably going to disappear into some kind of bunker after this." Sorry. Um, which is great, you know. Uh, Colonel Kennedy, which we're going to see in a little bit in this episode. Um, uh, so, yeah, okay, so they, they say, Hammond says, uh, so basically, you know, the Pentagon wants to know everything that Tilk knows, which, you know, <laughs> would make sense. They, they want intelligence on their new alien enemy. Uh, and then he gets like to the juicier parts of it is that, well, you know, Tilk also has a ghoul inside his belly. So uh, maybe we want to do something about that and like make sure everything's fine with that and uh, run some tests on this alien life form. Uh, O'Neill gets suspicious of this. He's like, well, when you say tests, what are you talking about exactly? Yeah, I mean, and, all the basic, you know dissection is, american, is what's being implied um, uh, american alien uh uh historical stuff you know yeah yeah all, all, all the fun stuff that americans do to people or things they don't understand or are new to them in any way uh you, you can imagine what that means so uh yeah hammond kind of dodges the question and says you know, Tilk is a really important scientific subject like to to study. 
and O'Neill takes that kind of as an insult. And, I um, feel like for the first few episodes, they play Hammond kind of oh, yeah. bullish. Yeah, he's, he's he's really by the book and like not directly confrontational, but like like an unmovable obstacle. And he's like he represents the bureaucracy that stands in the the way of the team trying to do the right thing. He's going to eventually soften up and it, it it does play as him starting off uh, uh like a little bit pissed that he got his retirement taken away from him and now he has to do this and he's trying to do his job and he's being pulled from all directions and he eventually through bonds forged and fire comes to have a stronger emotional bond with yeah, SG1 yeah. specifically yeah. Um, yo. So yeah, O'Neill says, uh, "Well, okay. So that's that's insulting that you're you're calling him a scientific subject. He's a man." Um, and then Hammond says, uh, "You know, you know, he was with our enemy until last week. Uh, are you absolutely sure that he's on our side forever now?" And O'Neill kind of uh, beefs it by answering, <laughs> "Too certainly, yes, sir." Uh, which is, you know. When you stare someone in the eyes and you state something too clearly, that's a, a sign that you're probably lying, because like O'Neill doesn't actually know this, um, but Hammond like kind of calls him on it, uh, which is like another small running theme between the two in the, the early series is that O'Neill is a really bad liar and Hammond is like really good at telling when someone's full of shit, and like yeah, he he kind of tells there. Um, I mean, it's so, the whole thing is though that Hammond isn't wrong about any of this. No. No, he's right. And, like, we know that Tilk is a good guy, and we know that his name is in the opening credits, so clearly he's <laughs> going to stay a good guy. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, O'Neill did just meet the guy, and, you know, he's going to say it later that Tilk did save his life and everything, so that does tend to ingratiate someone to you. Um, so, like, you get it that he wants to stick up with him for him uh, against the system, and it it is frustrating, and Hammond is kind of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place because he is duty-bound to follow the orders of the president and the Pentagon or whatever else have you, um, even though they are sending a colonel, which, you know, Hammond technically outranks through all this, but that's going to come could, up a little bit later. A, could he even send another general? Yeah, but I mean, generals are... <laughs> Generals are like desk jobs, right? The, the the generals at the Pentagon don't want to leave the Pentagon to go interrogate a guy. They're going to send someone under them to do yes. that. Under under their authority, of course, but you know. Um, I, I don't know. I think you might be able to get one to move for an actual alien. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think. Like, we don't see that many other generals from the U.S. on the show all that mm. often. Not till they much later. No. And that's basically they, they, when they're replacing Hammond. Yeah, mm. they don't often put another general in the same room as Hammond because they like Hammond to be the guy in charge. Um, that's going to happen later on when like, we go to the White House and stuff and we're going to see others. And also we're going to see generals from other countries eventually, which is a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, uh, basically whenever the, whenever the government wants to mess with them, they send a colonel. They tend to. Uh, or a major, as was the case with Samuels in the pilot. Uh, but he's going to be a colonel, <laughs> eventually, uh, funny enough. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Hammond basically tells O'Neill, well, as long as Tilk is here, we're going to treat him like a human being, and that's all I can promise, because like, my jurisdiction doesn't extend past the walls past of this facility. Walls, yeah. yeah. 
which is, eh, I don't know if that's exactly true, but, you know, you get what he's saying. Um, I was kind of expecting this to start going down a uh, measure of a man from Next Generation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, no, it's, it's not basically all contained to this episode, or does it go uh, on for a few? I, no, I, it's not. Uh, I mean, there's an episode late in the season where they uh, walk they, back over a bunch of these beats. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, basically, you almost have a difference of, I mean, you know, as we see, as we see later, where they're like, uh, tell us about, can you tell us about the technology that the, and he's like, no, I mm-hmm. just, I just used to shoot guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's not so much that Teal's humanity is on trial <laughs> that uh, you, you tend to get the impression that the Pentagon sees this humanity as, you know, uh, at at their at their will at their pleasure to begin with and they can like they they do what you know i mean he's basically, he's basically like an afghanistani uh yeah exactly uh, translator. Well, i was gonna say it's you know? nice that they treat him like the rest of their soldiers yeah disposable. They, they do what the american state does which is treat rights as uh retractable basically and and now they even have get to have that loophole to wiggle through and say that human rights only apply to humans that were born on Earth or whatever, yeah. and Tilk wasn't there, so whatever, they're not bound by that, uh, which but is always fun. they do offer to pay for Tilk's college, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, he's not going to go to college. I don't think that ever happens, but he's going to watch a lot of TV. We're going to no see that. No Dr. Tilk. No, he's not going to be a doctor. He's not even going to be get a military rank ever. He's just going to be Tilk. Yeah. Um, he gets free housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does live on the government dime on the base and eat their food. Uh, so that's not nothing, I guess. Uh, don't think he had rent to pay on Chulak either, especially as Apophis's first prime. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get also a lot more of that midway through this season. Uh, anyway, so... O'Neill leaves Hammond's office and immediately heads over to Teal'c's uh, quarters, I guess, even though he's being he's basically locked in and his room is guarded, so it's almost more like a cell with where uh, Teal'c is meditating, which is... <laughs> I, I keep running into things where I want to mention things that are only established as lore later on, but... Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it does become... An, it's significant, yeah. but like... For right now, it's just uh, he's a it's weirdo just, alien. It, yeah, he's just meditating. He's, he's, it's Kelnorim. It's it's like Jafar meditation. It's a whole thing. Um, anyway, uh, O'Neill walks in here and says, uh, "Am I interrupting anything?" And he's like, oh, "Okay, well, why don't I let you do this and I'll come back?" And then Tilk uh, starts asking, "So, what about the people from Chulak?" And then uh, O'Neill says, "Oh, uh, we just finished sending every one of them back to their planet." So. Uh, last episode, uh, if you no, I think Eric was the only one here who was on, but we we had a little running bit at the end that we were asking about all those refugees and what they were going to do with them and if, if where do they end up? And I guess that's actually like explicitly resolved here. Uh, <laughs> it, it does make sense that Tilk, as one of the people who kidnapped them, would know where, where their planet is and could assist in relocating them back there. So uh, and God also speed on your journey home, caveman. Yeah, right? I, I <laughs> yeah. love that dude. Um, and also, what we've immediately established almost is that mm-hmm. none of those planets are worth a shit. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, because, like, <laughs> if the, 
if they can just safely go back there, that means they're they're, they're not actively being you know occupied by the gold, and also it means that uh, the U.S. Army, uh, the the Air Force doesn't stay there or or it's the U.S.'s to... usual usual policy with refugees, and it's. Yeah, it's basically deportation <laughs> at this point, right? That, like, oh, your 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 world your world is a charred glass husk now because the golds have uh, blown it up to shit. Okay, bye. You go go back there. Don't call <laughs> us back. Uh, you'll slam into the iris if you try. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> uh, you can imagine uh, this. Here's, it's all head cannon, but have fun here, with that. Here's here's an here's an MRE. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may have here's eleven dollars to take a bus. Uh, if they if they don't take U.S. dollars, tell them yeah they should because you know the, those dollars are good everywhere, including other planets. And uh, bye. <laughs> Here are some uh, t-shirts with the losing team from the Super Bowl. We don't need those. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Yeah, uh, they they do establish that. Uh, sorry, that they sent all these people back. Back. Uh, then O'Neill asks Steel, "How how long uh, does he think they're gonna kill, keep keep uh, holding up their Stargate?" And Teal says, "Ah, uh, they're gonna try once or twice more. Uh, then they'll think that their weapons have destroyed you, which I I guess they're sending bombs or or something, and these they're not." Like doing anything, they're just slamming into the iris and being destroyed, and like the gold just assumed that they're blowing up or whatever. <laughs> and they're not um, gonna check. They're just like, ah, they're done. Cool. I mean, because <laughs> like we know that if they checked, it would take ships and it would take a while to get to Earth, and they can't. Like whenever they open the Stargate, they just whatever they go through never comes back or whatever, which is, you know, you think that would actually, if they're sending Jaffa through, the fact that these Jaffa never ever called back would maybe be a hint that it's not working, but, um, you know, whatever. Um, then, yeah, well, I mean, if says, it's a hint that it's not working, again, it's going to take a couple, going to take a while to get here, so. Yeah. The, the, the main point is uh, the Iris is buying them time until the the, the Apophis can uh, muster his whole uh, attack fleet or whatever and send ships through hyperspace over to Earth, which is going to take a while because it's not... Uh, well, it's 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 both like a limitation of physics in terms of space travel and also of, I guess, eco- economics because uh, like a huge pyramid ship takes a while to get built and maintained and staffed up and everything, and he maybe doesn't have that right under his hand at the moment, so... Um, so yeah, uh, what, what Tilk thinks is going to happen is that after a while they're going to try again to just to check if everything's destroyed, and the iris is going to be closed again, and they're just going to slam into it, and they're going to die, and it's not going to change much, and um, yeah, so that's going to be a big surprise for them as uh, only a snarks. A uh, little bit of awkward silence there, and Tilk uh, gets down to business and says, uh, "Am I a prisoner here, by the way?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Ah, uh, yeah, actually, you are sorry." Um, <laughs> I know uh, we say it a lot, but Christopher Judge's face acting is just oh, so good. Kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. He's like he he just kind of raises an eyebrow and says, "Ah, uh, well, okay, I get it." Um, <laughs> just and only sorry, so much with so little, mm-hmm. 
And that's make, I think that makes us that when he does, when they do have him break, it's, mm-hmm. it's that much more effective. Oh, it's really good. Whenever, like, when Teal'c starts to emote any emotion at all, it's always really satisfying. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, O'Neill pulls up a chair and sits down and says, ah, I'm sorry, we're really disappointing you here. <laughs> uh, and he tries to, like, kind of make excuses. He says, oh, you know, this target thing is still new to us. And we don't know anything about aliens or anything. Uh, no, nobody here knows who you are. Um, they're all kind of scared of you, uh, and they they want to see if they you, they can get anything from you before uh, they let you go anywhere. And Tilak says, ah, "Well, you can have everything I know because uh, I'll, you know um, I'm on your side now, so it's fine." Uh, and like. Uh, he says, "I'll be. I'll swear my allegiance and everything. Uh, don't worry about it. I, I'm on your side now." And Onya says, "Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're gonna think that's worth anything, like your oath or whatever, because they're not really on that system." Um, so Onya says, "Yeah. So actually, they're they're kind of scared of you because they don't know you." And Tilk says, "Yeah, I understand." Uh, then he exposits. Uh, some more about what Jafas are. He says, yeah, I'm a warrior and I carry gold in me uh, to catch up the audience once again. Uh, then O'Neill sums it up by saying, well, we're afraid of things we don't know and no one here knows you. And Teal'c asks, how come he's not afraid? And like O'Neill once again gives us, gives us a recap of last episode and says, well, I saw you like turn your staff on the other ones and shoot them and stand up to Apophis, who was your god, and I think that's all I needed to know, really. And Tilk says, I could have killed you there. You wouldn't be here to talk about... Uh, I wouldn't be here to, talk to... I wouldn't be stuck here if I'd done that. And O'Neill says, well, I wouldn't be here either, so I guess... I don't know what conclusion that's supposed to lead us to. That's just a pleasantry, I guess. Uh, and Tilk states that he's going to prove... do whatever it takes to prove that he's uh, loyal to Earth. Uh, and only says, yeah, I, I wish you didn't have to, but them's the breaks. Then uh, Tilk asks O'Neill to show him Earth once he's allowed to go outside. And O'Neill says, promises that he's going to bring him out to do stuff, which is pretty heartwarming because this, this, this becomes a thing later on where Tilk does uh, learn a whole bunch about Earth culture, and it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's so where would you take Teal'c? Um, well, I know I know what O'Neill's gonna do is he's gonna take him to his house and fish in his <laughs> lake, and yeah. Teal'c is just gonna hold the fishing rod and not say anything for hours and hours and not get a single bite. I would take Teal'c to Coyote Uglies. <laughs> <laughs> I no, would no. take him to. Uh, the DeWitt Ox Roast, a yearly small town carnival. Nice. Where you get to eat some ox. He'd be yes. into that, I'm pretty sure. And then he would do the uh, that game where you use a sledgehammer to hit the bell at the top of the pole. Yes. Nice. And do you would break that thing where it breaks? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then yep. it would do a uh, cut to him walking around carrying like a giant pink dolphin. Mm-hmm. This is... <laughs> Kind of a, a little bit of a character spoiler as to what human things Teal'c eventually comes to like. <laughs> but uh, 
like you'd have to take him out take him out to see Star Wars and like also go to uh a video a GameStop and uh buy him what in 97 would be a PlayStation 1 or an N64 and play some GoldenEye because he's yes. be, he'd be way into that actually. <laughs> Do we ever see him eat cotton candy? I don't think so. Or an apple fritter? We 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 do see him eating like Jello and pizza and stuff like that at some points. Um, Definitely, he's a he fan. Pie and waffles. Yep. Or yep. see him take a bite out of a candy apple and then lower it down and see the larva come out and also take a bite of the candy apple. <laughs> That'd be adorable. <laughs> oh, Tilka, he's the best. Can't wait to get more of him. Um, all right, so we cut back to. <laughs> so Kowalski is having his eyes examined, which is always the go-to move whenever someone on Stargate needs to go to the doctor to have the, a light flashed into their eyes. Uh, I guess it does make sense when you're you, checking you for migraines and stuff. You gotta check for the glow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> checking by shining a light in there. Uh, the the he in question is that doctor I joked about early in this episode. By the way, this guy that we're never gonna <laughs> see again. Um, <laughs> he he likes sort of examines Kowalski and asks him question about his headaches. When when did they start? Are you the only one who has them? Uh, doctor is trying to like get a fix on if that could be some kind of Stargate travel syndrome of some kind that they're they don't know. Um, Kowalski tries to play it off as like you know it's just it's just a headache. Give me some stronger <laughs> painkillers, I'll be fine. Which, you know, is always what you should say to a doctor, because they always think that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, like, uh, the doctor sees a creepy little wiggle on Kowalski's back and says, uh, what's this? You haven't seen that? Uh, and then he, like, tries to touch it, and it wiggles a whole bunch more. And this, this like, effect right there is, like, upsettingly well made. It's like, it looks like there's really a snake under Kowalski's skin that's crawling yeah. up to his brain. It's really creepy. I love it, honestly. Uh, I don't even know if that's CG or how they did that, but it's good. Um, anyway, uh, so, like, yeah, the gold, like, crawls up to his brain. Kowalski's eyes glow, and he immediately goes into murder mode. He grabs the doctor by his throat and snaps his neck and just drops him down to the floor. So, so long, doctor. We, we didn't even know your name. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. doctor. All right. Actually, actually we're going to learn his name later on because the other doctor is going to mention him. Um, and then uh, we cut to another scene where a sleepy, sleepy, sleepy Daniel is explaining what a DHD is to the room. Yeah. Uh, he's like I, I when when I first saw the scene, I thought that was Michael Shanks trying to uh, emulate James Peters' performance style, and it coming off as extremely tired and low energy and just mumbling everyone in his lines in order yeah, to I know buy, Jace, get back home. That the part of why we have this scene is because we're redoing exposition because it's been so long after the original pilot. Mm-hmm. But shouldn't they have waited till they actually went to a planet to do this bit? <laughs> yeah, because you don't. Yeah. Even, <laughs> yeah. There's no DHD in this episode. <laughs> no, that's right. But I mean, the the people there do no, need to know how to use it before they go to another planet. To be fair, but you're right that the DHD doesn't even have doesn't even appear in this episode, or I don't even think it's in the next one either. Um, um, and it's presumably there, just not important. Yeah, yeah it's not important. It's going to be like kind of important in the first commandment, I guess. Anyway, um, 
Anyway, uh, Carter uh, draws that little cube on the whiteboard and does the thing with the dots once again from the movie to <laughs> explain, to remind us of the silly, like, uh, star coordinate system that we've established before and have really scratched our heads about because it doesn't make any sense. Um, At least this time it's the astrophysicist explaining it and not the Egyptologist. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess they're doing this briefing together to have like expertise coming from two different directions on this subject. Uh, it does make sense that Daniel, as the one who did figure out what the coordinates were, would be the one explaining it. Um, so yeah, uh, Daniel trails off mid mid the uh, presentation because he sees out the window that Kowalski <laughs> is walking up the ramp to the Stargate, and he he asks, uh, "What's he? What's Kowalski doing over there? Because um, he's acting weird." Uh, so yeah, uh, Carter. I guess I guess Carter is maybe like the highest ranking officer that's present in the in the gate room area at this point because she turns to other people and says, "Ah, uh, you need to page Colonel O'Neill and General Hammond because th- something weird is happening, and they probably need to know." Um, so they do that. Uh, we cut down to the gate room where Kowalski is just standing right in front of the gate and staring at it and not saying anything or doing anything. <laughs> He's communing uh, <laughs> with the gate. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess at that point it's just that the the gold has oh. not is it, not mature enough to like have full control. So actually, the, I just like, made the, a con- I just made a connection here. Mm-hmm. That's why we have the exposition about the DHD. That's what it's looking for. It's going to the oh, gate to look for uh, it. Yeah. Okay. He would be doing that. He's like, where is it? Uh, I don't know what to do now. And then like uh, the the gold goes to sleep or something, and then the brain brain goes into idle mode. Because uh, no one is at the wheel at this point, and like weirdly enough, like you have Daniel and Carter standing right behind him as <laughs> the, like it pans over to O'Neill and Hammond uh, walking up there and ask him, "Hey, what are you doing? What's uh, up, buddy?" Yep, <laughs> and then he he turns around and says, "Huh, Jack? What?" Um, yeah, uh, he he doesn't know what he's doing there. He doesn't remember going there, so that's. More concerning yet again, uh, even though O'Neill doesn't know about the gold yet. Uh, it's like, well, all right, uh, we need to get you to the to sick not sick bay to the, the the infirmary and have you checked out once again because uh, it's not just a headache. Something more wrong is happening with you. Uh, yeah, so we get Doctor Warner uh, appearing here, which is. Uh, he's played by like a really proficient character actor. I can't tell you what I've seen him in, but I've seen him in everything. It's 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 one of those faces that's just in everything. Uh, he, he says Doctor Doctor Nimziki was supposed to be on call, so I guess that was the name of our poor uh, dead doctor over there. So he he walks over like uh, Warner is the chief surgeon of the SGC. Uh, basically, whenever they need to cut someone open, he's the guy. We're gonna see him uh, a bunch of times in the future. Uh, even though he's still not our main Doctor character that we're going to get in a couple more episodes. Um, so, yeah, he says once again, oh, I have headaches, and O'Neill says, well, it's not just that. He blacked out and walked over to the Stargate and doesn't have any memory of it, so what the fuck? Uh, so uh, Dr. Warner says, all right, uh, let's get you an MRI, obviously, so to check out your brain now. Uh, all right. So they leave the the room, and then we cut back to Hammond's office, where he's talking to these two suits from the Pentagon, uh, one of which is Colonel Kennedy, the other one is a lady who we don't ever hear say a single word in this episode, <laughs> so no idea who she is. Um, 
So she they, looks they, like she's related to the British actor Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she has. She has a. She has that. That yeah, I know what you're talking about. She does have kind of that face. Um, they walk out to the briefing room where Tilk is standing, flanked by two guards. And Hammond explains, okay, so this is Colonel Kennedy. He's going to ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, you should answer everything. And Tilk uh, off- says he offers uh, everything he knows about the gold. He offers his skills as a warrior to help in their fight. And he pledges his honor to help Earth forever. And Kennedy is like, oh, well, all right, thanks. <laughs> well, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Hammond says this is just an informal meeting. No, no, no reason for all this pump and circumstance, which I don't really know about because it's a pretty intense interrogation that's about to happen, I guess. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Kennedy starts to ask him like tech questions. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Eric uh, just posted pictures of Bill Nye and this lady yep, in the yep. chat. I, I do agree, especially since he's wearing the same kind of glasses she is. Yeah, it's, I they see do the resemblance. Look, yeah, they do look alike, you're right. Cousins. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Colonel Kennedy uh, starts by asking, like, yeah, uh, a specific tech question to Teal'c. Like, uh, okay, so can you tell us about anything about their... Uh, lasers and their ships and how they work and like what they used to power them or anything. He says, I nope. don't know a single fucking thing about this. I just use them. Um, great. Like, you don't know how exactly how your computer works, do you? Well, same thing. Um, they, they told me it was magic. That, that's yeah. all I knew. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, the Jafar told that the, the gold are gods that have magic and that's they're not encouraged to ask any questions about that. Uh so yeah, uh, Kennedy asks, "Okay, uh, do you know anything about how the Stargates work, like <laughs> scientifically speaking?" And he says, "No." Nah. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, "This is it, it's specifically forbidden to us from knowing anything about this." I actually, by the way, uh, about this magic, and then like O'Neill yells from just down the stairs, uh, "It's not magic. They just want you to think that." And he he climbs up, <laughs> asks if it's okay for him to just barge in, specifically in those words. Uh, and they say, "Yeah, sure, sit down." Um, Colonel well, Kennedy, why Kennedy, not? You're you're already here. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, I I mean, it would make more sense for him to be here than not, considering like he's actually he's already made a connection with Teal, and he can like translate or like make you know serve as an intermediary in some ways. Um, so Kennedy like uh, talks to him and says well actually uh, I was hoping to meet you because your shit is pretty hot in the Pentagon like we've all read your reports it's pretty crazy stuff right Um, (laughs) O'Neill answers like he was just like talked to by a fan at a con and he says oh which part did you like the most and Hammond's like "All right, uh, colonels maybe you could like (laughs) shut up and we could get on with this um (laughs) And O'Neill starts to like his whole uh, Southern defense attorney routine by saying, I was just having a talk with Teal'c over here, and I told him that in this country, we think the most important thing a person can ever possibly have is freedom and personal rights. (laughs) And it would sure would be a damn shame if any of that was not (laughs) taking place right here, right now. (laughs) And (laughs) Colonel Kennedy says, oh, no, don't worry about that. I just literally asked him two questions. Uh, It's fine. We're just talking here, right? Um, 
So yeah, he says, O'Neill is welcome to sit down and just assist to, uh, at this reunion. And he says, thanks. And then he waves over at Teal'c and says, hey. <laughs> Teal'c says, hi. He says, O'Neill, actually. Uh, O'Neill tells uh, the lady over there and the audience how to spell Teal'c's name, which, with, which is with an apostrophe. So T-E-A-L apostrophe C uh, for those in the back who want to know how to write uh, his name always a uh, slight bit of a uh, sleight of hand by the writers to communicate some exposition to the audience there. Um, Still haven't told us how to right. actually spell Gawult yet, but you know. No, no, yeah. No. I haven't gotten there. Yeah, actually, they're, they're, they're going to do that with Kinsey <laughs> later on because there's going to be a similar kind of scene. Um, so. Yeah, uh, we, we get back to the interview, and Kennedy says, okay, uh, please tell us everything you know about the gold, then. And uh, Tilk says, okay, well, they will by force. Uh, there weren't that many of them, but there's getting to be more of them these days. Uh, they're growing in numbers. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, so, and Kennedy asks him, so how many of them are there? Uh, Tilk says, well, there's got to be hundreds by now, maybe more, I don't know. Uh Kennedy says, so are we going to see them everywhere we go? And like, uh, O'Neill takes like kind of stage whispers over to Hammond that quote-unquote we, as if Kennedy's the one that's going to be going over to other planets. Um, and, and yeah. Uh, and like, Teal answers the question. He says, uh, you're probably going to run into them a fair bunch, but there's also a bunch of planets that they haven't been to in a long time that you're probably safe going there. Um, because like, uh, when the gold ha are done using the people and their resources on these planets, they just leave them be and, uh, yeah. abandon them to fend for this themselves. And actually, it would be real nice to go there and help them. Um, <clears throat> then Kennedy asks, uh, so do the Golds have a government that we could talk to and like have diplomacy with, basically? Um, maybe like avoid going to war against them? Uh, uh, Sotilk says, well, yeah, but there's Apophis and others that are basically feudal lords. Uh, they're, they're, they're the people in charge, but if you go up to them and ask for peace... Uh, they would just shoot you on the spot, actually, so maybe that's not a great plan. Uh, so yeah, uh, then, then, then Kennedy asks, well, okay, if, they're, if they want to kill us so bad, do they have spaceships that they could, could come over with to, uh, to do that? Uh, and Teal'c says, it will, what we talked about earlier, that they could send their ships and it would take months to years to get here in space, which is going to be funny when you realize that Tilk doesn't know things like how far away Earth is from the other planets, or how long it takes to get there, or what the speed of light is, or how fast ships move actually yeah, through space. He's, you know. I mean, he's probably <laughs> been on a ship at some point, and like knows yeah. that, that that took a long time to do. Yeah, yeah. He, he, took, he took one long trip one time, and he's like, well, Earth has to be at least as far as this, right? Um... It's going to turn out later on. He's he's wrong about that. His estimation is extremely off, or uh, gold hyperdrive engines have gone forward a whole lot in the, like, the year he's been on Earth. It's one of those two things. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the other point that, that Tilk makes is that uh, it would take a lot of ships, a lot of slaves. Uh, it, it takes a while to muster all of that. Uh, so, like... Because, you, you're, it, like, it seems that the the... 
the Jaffa armies aren't actually that big. Mm-hmm. Especially no, well, if they're... Because they're... Uh, I'm, I'm jumping way ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they mostly seem to just, you know, terrorize lower technology planets. Yeah. Uh, steal some shit. And vamoose. Yeah, we, we rarely ever see more than five or six Jaffa on screen at a time, which is, you know, part of the limitations of a TV show, but yeah, it's the, the, and like, anyway, what the gold would do is to like wage air superiority and just like bombard from orbit and what you don't need to send troops on the ground to do that. But, um, yeah, the, the, the point point is it would take a lot of resources, uh, to do anything like that. And only like connects the dots and says, uh, we haven't annoyed them quite enough so far for that to be, like, on their priority list, uh, even though, you know, Teal coming over here might would, tip yeah. those scales a little bit, but, you know. Um, uh, yeah, but basically Teal says, you know, it's going to take... It's, it's going to take them a while to prepare to attack you, so you should, like, we should prepare while they're doing that. Uh, that would be the smart thing to do. Uh, then, then Kennedy moves on to... Um, ask more uh, lore questions because he asks Tilk where the slaves come from that the gold have. And uh, Tilk says, like, the, the his side of uh, the backstory that he's heard that there's a lost world out there in space somewhere that the gold took humans from millions of years ago, or not millions, thousands of years ago. Um, <clears throat> and it's called the Tari, and no one knows where that planet is anymore. And then... Uh, yeah, it's it says it's just an old legend. No one knows if it's really true. Uh, it's yeah. So some of the humans became gold hosts, others became Jaffa, and the rest were just kept as slaves to mine and shit. Um, yeah, and Tilk says what no one knows what this planet has been for centuries now, because uh, you know we know that Ra's revolt and everything. They buried the Stargate and it was lost for a while. Uh, and then Kennedy drops the bomb on him and says, actually, you're standing on this planet right now because we figured out that we all came from here. Uh, we're the ones that they took the humans from. I don't know. Um, that's very presumptuous of him. I mean, yeah, he's, uh-huh. he's right, but it's very uh-huh. American to be all like, hear, hear about this all special ancient planet of humans and be all like, oh, no, that was us. Just immediately uh-huh. <laughs> before like yeah. checking anything. I mean, it's true that we don't know that that's that we're the only planet that thinks that, but like the the humans are essentially the one planet in the galaxy that doesn't have a gold backstory to it that people are are aware of, even though actually there is one, but whatever like uh, presumably every other planet knows that they were brought there by the gold in some way through oral tradition or otherwise or because the gold are still actively there um I mean, yeah, it's, it's also that this, this stuff was figured out in the movie, so we know that's true, and Kennedy knows this, but, uh, yeah, but it, it, it does also come off as him going like, well, uh, according to science, actually, humans evolved on Earth, and like, so we're the OGs, and you just stole us from us from here, and stuff, but, uh, you know, whatever. And Tilk is really surprised at this, because he had no idea. Um, he says, ah, this is the Tari, what? And only yeah, confirms, right. yeah, okay, yes, sure. it, it is. <laughs> this is this is the planet. Uh, we like Ra came here and took the people. I don't, I don't know if Tilk, if 
like Tilk even knows at this point that they're the ones that defeated Ra. I don't think he's gonna learn that on screen. Presumably, someone's gonna tell him at some point. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. At this point, he wouldn't know unless yeah. they were just like, oh yeah, we also. Yeah, we blew him I up. Mean, like at some point, it's gonna come up in conversation. He's he's just gonna stop that in his tracks and go, "Wait, you what? That I was mean, I you?" Think he might know. <laughs> like Apophis definitely knew. Like that's why they attacked yeah. the SGC in the first place. Uh huh. Like Maybe. He, it's like I presume yeah, he'd he tell his first prime why we're going over there and killing these random people. Right. Well, I mean, he was he was doing a calling, basically. Yeah, he came over to steal to kidnap some people. So presumably, that was just like a a big trip, a big round trip of planets they were doing. And I guess Earth wasn't just randomly on uh, on the list. Apophis would have known which planet it was. Uh, like, but you're right that he wouldn't have told Tilk or any of the other ones. He would just, he would have just told them we're going there, stealing a lady, and coming back. All right, because um, you know that <laughs> yeah, was what also, they were doing. It, yeah, it was kind of odd, but you know. I guess that was a maybe a uh uh like you you could imagine that Apophis uh was also trying to see this planet for himself because he he suspected or knew that that was the planet where the rock killers came from and he wanted to get a, a look at it and like try to uh evaluate uh what these people were capable of. Because, uh, just like it's 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 not stated this much so far, because we don't see much gold politics and stuff. But uh, Ra's death was like the biggest deal in the whole galaxy to every other goal when it yeah, happened. It changed everything. Power vacuum and yeah, all sorts it, of shit. Ever since the end of the movie happened, the rest of the galaxy has been like completely buzzing around in like a war of succession basically all the other gold are fighting each other at this moment in this moment trying to become the new raw um so this that yeah this this also explained why uh apophis went around collecting humans and trying to find a host for his queen and his kids and stuff trying to like build a dynasty and everything trying to become the new emperor of everything uh, this is, you know, it's 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 kind of reading between the lines, but it is consistent with what we're going to see later on with how uh, different gold are all dealing with this current political situation. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're they're talking about uh, how the the so the galaxy is populated by um, by humans from everywhere. Uh, like this could there could be millions of humans from that are originally from Earth all over the galaxy, and that seems to like get through to Kennedy in some way. Where like the way he stares at him after that, you kind of feel like maybe he he gets a sense that Earth has some kind of responsibility for everything, but it's like in a shitty like American exceptionalism way, kind of almost. Yeah, it's pretty like, white oh, man's burden. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if there's humans everywhere, that means there's Americans everywhere and whatever. Like that, you can see that's the gears that are turning in his brain when he says that. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, Tilk, like he has his face has softened up a little bit. He's like surprised and like kind of almost giddy in his way, as much as he can be as as a very stoic man. Uh, when he says, well, you people are, like, you've stood up to the gold, and if you're the Tari, like, you can, like, 
you have such a great story on your side, you can inspire everyone and be the hope that this whole galaxy needs, and also my that I need, because uh, Tilk is going to be self-effacing about this for a while, but uh, he really needs, like, the Jaffa of his planet to be free people. Uh, yes, yeah. that's the that's the main thing he cares about. Um, so yeah, uh, pretty good scene. Uh, like lots of exposition and it, like lots of uh, of delving into Tilk's motivations there. Uh, so uh, we cut uh, over to the nice MRI machine that they have on the base, uh, and Kowalski is uh, being slid into it uh, with Doctor Warner in the observation room. Uh, then we drop, we, we cut, o- we cut over to the elevator where Daniel has taken, <laughs> okay, Daniel is there with, with Sam, uh, he's taking off his glasses and is rubbing his eyes and is holding a cup of coffee, so when I said earlier that he was really sleepy, this is apparently, like, really intentional because, uh, Well, he, he's, he'd be, he's under the, the severe trauma of having his uh, his wife turned into a Goa'uld. Yeah, it's it's that. It's the fact that his yeah his whole life got turned upside down, and also he's been living on a different planet that has uh, thirty six hours a day. Thirty six hours, said. I think, is what they said. Yeah, and it's there's no way. It's, it's probably not anywhere close to like mountain time zone over there. So like <laughs> you have planetary like uh, jet lag, basically gate lag. He calls it in in the first episode. Uh, plus uh, trauma of losing his wife. Plus uh, trying to make himself useful and new job and everything and uh, working with the military maybe like he's trying to find an apartment to move to also and <laughs> while all this is happening uh so yeah pretty uh, also uh yeah the 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 gate gets dialed every two hours through all this and the alarms go off so pretty hard to sleep uh you did mention the battlestar galactic galactica 33 minute episode uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a similar situation once more he can't get any sleep because of it especially if he doesn't have an apartment yet and he can't even go sleep somewhere else except if he goes to a motel or whatever um uh yeah P- poor daniel yeah so <laughs> mentions, once again like we, we keep saying they they keep restating exposition from the pilot uh now th- this is when we get the restatement that shari has been taken by the gold and daniel's worried about it um and and uh, Sam says, "Well, okay, you 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 should get some sleep sometime though, because you can't help anything if you're too tired." And uh, he says, "Okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm gonna go and try to get some rest." And uh, he goes to his quarters on the base, which he seems to share with this Doctor Kuzaki or whatever his it's, name was. It's not it's not quarters. It's it's just the restroom. It's it's the oh it's yeah a, it's it's like a communal like bedroom yeah, that yeah, people yeah. can go and sleep when they need to yeah that that would make sense um, they got them in hospitals I forget what they're called yeah I'm it's like a, it's like bunk rooms it's yes. like two yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway this doctor is on the top bunk as uh, Daniel sits uh, lays down on the bottom one and like his arm dramatically falls down over the <laughs> side while he's trying to go down to sleep so. Good luck sleeping for the rest of the day now, Daniel, because you just found a dead body. Um, uh, yeah, so we cut back. The, the pacing of this episode is really like... Uh, it hasn't been this fast so far, so it's just boom, 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 scene, scene, scene. It's, 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 a, it's a new rhythm. Uh, anyway, just uh, something I'm noticing. Uh, so we get back to the MRI. MRI. We get a nice 3D render of... 
uh, Kowalski's uh, spine and brain this and is stuff. Really advanced MRI for, for yeah, 98. For, for 97, yeah, it's 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 incredible that it can do this stuff. It's like, uh, yeah, a spinning X-ray skeleton with uh, nicely highlighted in red, uh, spinning gold around uh, his spine. Uh, you know, it's, it's they, the military. They 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 get all the. They get the fancy stuff and like keep it to themselves yeah, for they, a while. They, 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 yeah, they have the really advanced 3D image recognition algorithm that can tell that the Guau larva is not supposed to be there and can highlight it <laughs> automatically for you. Which, like, to be clear, a modern computer could do that. Uh, 97 computer, I don't think so. Anyway, especially since it has to render 3D, which is like almost unheard of for yes. for things to look this good on a computer back then. Um so, uh, yeah, Warner sees this, uh, the gold, and he, like, uh, he, he kind of sighs and goes, all right, uh, I need to deal with this delicately now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he walks up back over to, to Kowalski, which is maybe not, like, as a doctor, you get that his first priority is the safety of the patient, uh, but he goes up to talk to him and say he's taking an taking him off active duty now even like he he probably should have just like gotten gotten Hammond or like someone from security (laughs) because he immediately knows something's wrong Uh, but he goes up and tells him uh, actually I'm taking you off the roster because yeah (laughs) it's it's real bad and he goes "Uh, major and Kowalski turns towards him his eyes glow uh, this time he doesn't have time to strangle him because Warner immediately backs off and like punches the big red alarm button on the wall. And then, yeah, the alarm rings, and, and we cut to Kowalski walking uh, in the corridor, uh, which, you know, might make you, make you believe that he's also strangled this doctor to death. Uh, but not so. He's only, I guess, knocked him out, or not even that, he's just walked out of there. Uh, and he made a beeline for the gate control room, which is uh, seems very unguarded, especially since, like, the alarm is ringing right now, because he's just walks up those stairs, he punches a scientist in the chest, sending him flying to the ground. Yeah, uh, it's, sh- it's very... Uh... It's just, just the worst <laughs> just the worst playthrough of this level of Hitman. Uh-huh. <laughs> just like all the guards are busy somewhere else. There isn't a single, single person with a gun in his room to make sure everything goes fine. Um, and he still he, messes he, it up. Yeah, he does. He 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 walks over to the guy who's sitting at the computer, just yanks him off his chair, uh, and then like starts type typing a gate address into the computer and dialing the Stargate. Like he could have just uh, written the address on a piece of paper, given it to the guy, and said, "Hammond, Hammond needs you to dial this dial this gate address immediately," and it uh-huh. would have gone away with I mean- it. <laughs> I don't know if that would have worked. Like maybe they have like security check-ins, but since they don't have any like physical guards in this room, who's to say? Um, <laughs> my my favorite shot in this episode happens, which is Carter just like walks right up next to yeah. him and goes, "Hey man, what's going on here? What's the what deal? Are you doing? What, are you, what are you doing?" And he's just like <laughs> picks her up by her lapel, shoves her to the side. She goes, "Oh." <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a, it's really funny. Um, you have to see it if, she, if she you have it. talking to him like a cat that got caught on the counter. Yep. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, 
so yeah uh she like she's not shoved hard enough because she runs back up to the desk and grabs the mic and yells into it close the vast vast doors and emerges in the control room uh to warn everyone that this is happening and then like kowalski grabs her uh starts to drag her like puts his hand over her mouth starts to drag her out of the room whispers at her in his uh, scary gold voice to help me um and uh yeah at that point o'neill walks into the room and yells at him doesn't understand uh, what are you doing uh and he starts to drag carter down the stairs out of the room uh o'neill follows follows them there's a bunch of guards that start pointing their guns at at uh, kowalski o'neill uh kind of just tells them no no don't shoot don't shoot uh for a couple of reasons you know he doesn't want either of them to be shot um Kowalski makes it all the way to the elevator, dragging uh, Carter with him. Uh, O'Neill really ineffectively tries to stop the elevator door from closing, which he should know. The way you do that is you stick your arm through it. You don't try to. <laughs> like he, he, he seems to like just put his hands on the door and does, the, doesn't stop them in time. Um, but yeah, uh, Kowalski has like seemingly pressed the top floor button, and he's trying to exit the base. Uh, on the surface, now that the Stargate plan isn't working, uh, Carter tries to tell him, you know, if if we go up there, they're gonna have people with guns waiting right as the door opens, and they're gonna shoot you the second this door opens. Um, he doesn't react to this in any way. She tries to leap for the emergency phone on the elevator and picks it up. He just grabs her and uh, slams her back in the corner of the elevator and finally knocks her out. Um, and yeah, uh, so yeah, we he's just standing there. Uh, oh, I, I guess Carter did uh, manage to hit the emergency stop in the elevator because we cut uh, on the base on I guess a different floor, but like Hammond and Daniel are there and some guards, um, and there and O'Neill has made it up there. I guess he's, he's taking the stairs up a floor or whatever. Uh, he goes over to the elevator. The doors open. He he kind of like, like has to force them open, and uh, Kowalski, uh, the real Kowalski, uh, once again is kneeling down uh, over Carter and, and says, "Hey, I don't know what happened, but she's knocked out. She needs some help." Um, and like uh, O'Neill just drags him up and says, uh, "What the hell was this? What did you do?" And Kowalski is really confused. Doesn't understand what happened. Um, uh, hang on. Uh, no, but she's hurt bad. Yeah, okay, so Kowalski says we have to get her to the infirmary. Uh, yeah, and then we cut back to the, the MRI we saw earlier, and uh, Dr. Warner explains that he's found the gold, and he tells everyone, uh, yeah, shit's fucked. He's uh, infected by a parasite. And then we get... Uh, so Kowalski has been strapped face down to this uh, fancy uh, operating table that uh, tips like it's it's uh, it's kind of like attached to a wheel and it tips all the way to like a vertical position and it it's has a, a yeah it's a it's a, a spinal injury specifically uh, yeah surgical table I've seen I've, I've seen this in shows before like yeah this isn't this, something they made for this show yeah the, the the this thing looks real i think yeah you, like you say uh, like it it's it's a, it's a it's some real medical equipment uh that they clearly have to use because uh if the gold is 
tied around his spine. They're going to have to operate through his the back of his neck and everything. So they need to strap him down face down. Um, and yeah, there's a face hole in it, and they tip it up so they, they can talk to him through the face hole. Uh, looks fairly uncomfortable, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, so they explain to Kowalski, uh, yeah, there's a there's a gold in you. It's pretty bad. Uh, they think it's it's really young, which is why it doesn't have total control over you, and you keep like switching back and forth. Um, yeah, based off the tantrum it threw, I'd say around four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> four year olds always like throwing people around and trying to dial the Stargate. And uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm sorry. All we have is red Gatorade. I know you <laughs> like blue. Hurry. <laughs> Help me! Help me find the right cup color. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think they tell him uh, they're gonna. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they they mention at this point that they're gonna try to cut it out of him. Uh, yeah, O'Neill tells him that's why you've been blacking out. And Kowalski, oh man, yeah, you're saying I have one of these in me. How did that happen? Uh, Oya says, well, okay, that's what we're wondering also. (laughs) Don't you remember what happened? And Kowalski says, no, I don't remember at all. Um, then says, okay, so when was the first time you blacked out? Do you remember? And Kowalski says, uh, it was here. I was right after we came back from Chulak. And then they go, oh, wait. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, yeah, so Kowalski says it was right after we were coming back through the Stargate. He he thought uh, he he was blacking out because of the Stargate at the time. Uh, they were helping uh, Casey, which was the the other member of SG two that got wounded on Chulak. Um, and then, like Kowalski, as he's reliving this, uh, these events in his mind, he remembers a sharp pain in his neck, and now he's connecting. Yeah, he 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 realizes that would that must have been the moment where the the gold entered him uh because yeah uh since the the gold uh do in fact enter your brain they can like selectively erase your memories of it happening because that's very handy uh so that's what happened to him he does a good uh, job like selling like the absolute terror of this though oh yeah oh the, yeah this, this actor is really freaking good in this episode, like, because he plays essentially two different characters, first of all. Like, he plays the scary gold that's, like, just angry and scary. And then he plays ter- terrified Kowalski, and also, like, goofy fun Kowalski from early in this episode and the last episode. So, yeah, so, he's yeah. a really good actor, and it's kind of a shame to... Uh, yeah, <laughs> that we're better, like, him, yeah, we're going to lose him at the end of this episode. I hope you've already watched this episode and you're not literally watching it along while listening to the podcast. That's probably the worst possible way to listen to a rewatch podcast. Um, but yeah, he he's gonna die by the end of this, and it's 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 a shame. And like, yeah, I, I mentioned I had the theory like when when he first shows up in uh, in Children of the Gods that uh, since this actor kind of looks a bit like French Stewart, my my theory was that he went in to read for Ferretti, and then like his acting reel convinced them to like give him the plot they had where Kowalski becomes a gold because he was a good actor for it, and you can see it in this episode. Uh, He's yeah. Uh, you you feel really scared and sad with him uh, as he's talking to them through that little face hole there. Um, 
so yeah, Kowalski asks them, okay, so you're going to take cut it out of me, right? And Onya says, yeah, well, that's what we're going to try to do. That's the plan. Uh, and <laughs> then Warner give, uh, Dr. Warner gives us some uh, worse news, which is that uh, he's taking, taking Kowalski off all the pain medication he was on uh, to increase his alertness to maybe help him resist the gold more. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy that. On top of everything, you still have those bad headaches now. Sorry. Uh, so, Hammond asks him, uh, so when can you remove it from him? Uh, Warner tries to say, uh, well, okay, uh, this thing is wrapped around his spine, plugged into his brain. Uh, we've never seen anything like this. It would be the first time anyone has done it. So, uh, really hard. Actually, I don't know. Um, and Hammond asks him, uh, is it possible at all? And uh, Warner says, uh, without, uh, without killing him, maybe. Uh, without making him a quadriplegic, I'm less sure of that, which is very encouraging. Uh, Hammond says, okay, uh, tell me anyone you need to be in here with you to help you do this, and we'll call them over. No problem. Uh, we have this authority where the U.S. Army, the Air Force technically, but you know what I mean. Um, okay, so yeah, Kowalski asks, uh, so did I hurt anyone while I was out? And Onion tells him, uh, actually, yeah, you killed a guy and hurt a few more. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, Kowalski doesn't take this well. You, you mostly uh, just ineffectively threw people around. So yeah. yeah. But, like, he did, in fact, kill a doctor. So did, yes. that's, that's bad. That's real bad. Um, uh, so, yeah, Daniel uh, tells him, actually, uh, Carter's okay. Uh, she knocked herself out a bit on the wall, but she's fine. And uh, Kowalski says, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And uh, Daniel says, no, it's, a fi it's fine. She understands. It's not your fault. It's the gold. Uh, yeah, only confirms, don't blame yourself for anything. Um, they'll cut it out of you. It's going to be fine. You just have to keep fighting it. Um, Koski says he's really scared of this. Uh, <laughs> some good emoting. Uh, and then we cut over to uh, Teal's cell. Um, this is nice cell, but still, we know we do know he's being held there. Um, uh, they they walk in there and Tilk uh, asks them, "So what's wrong? The, no one's telling me anything." Um, and then Kennedy says, "Ah, uh, no, you don't need to know this." And then <laughs> O'Neill just tells him, "Yeah, so Kowalski has a gold. Uh, that's the emergency." Uh, and Tilk uh, connects the dots, says, "Oh, so you want to see if I still have mine, right?" Uh, Colonel Kennedy says, yeah, okay, please show us. And we get another shot that serves. Uh, so, yeah, okay. I wanted to mention the shot because, like, we get a wide shot of, like, Teal kind of just opening his jumpsuit and, like, the, the shot stays there for a second while O'Neill, like, kind of balks and says he hates this. And you get you get the impression for a second this is them cheaping out on the effect of the gold because they're not going to cut to a close-up of it. But then they do cut to a close-up of it. So it's like, it, it almost seems like a weird bait-and-switch, but I don't think it was that self-conscious. It was just... They're, they're cheaping out know. on whether or not they're actually... About how, about how much prosthetic they're going to put on Christopher Judge's chest yeah. for the scene. Yeah, I, I, I guess they, they probably sh uh, shot the wide angle as an option in case they 
they they could just keep that and then looked at it and said no it looks too goofy and fake we need to show it and the the, the, the way they do this is, is they have a prosthetic belly and just have Christopher Judge stand behind him or a stand in because it's just his hands and just pull it open to have the thing go through and go yeah um it's always like close ups you I don't think at least early on, you never see like his whole body with it sticking out ever, because that would be a harder effect to pull off. And I think um, by the time we, you have, they have the effects to do that, he's it's not much of a thing anymore. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, that's that's for later concerns. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, O'Neill uh, clearly made very uncomfortable by having to look at this thing again. Says, "Okay, okay, yeah, can, can just tell them to put it away now, please." Thanks. Yeah, he just doesn't really like the gold. No, thing. he doesn't. They are gross. We we get a lot of gross gold stuff in this episode. Uh, this is like the one in Teal Spelly is the least of it, actually. Okay, so yeah. Uh, so they 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 talk some more t- with Tilk. And he says, "All right, so it's only it it, it only has part time control over Kowalski so far. It seems like uh, we think it was a young one, so that's why it's not uh, it doesn't have full control yet. Uh, but like when when Kowalski blacks out, it takes over and it's already killed someone. Um, Tilk Til completes their understanding by saying, so they're going to struggle for a while.'" Uh yeah, you're you're right in your assumption that it's a young gold. Because uh, if it was mature, they would it wouldn't have taken this long. It would just be in full control by now. Um, and like Hammond says, okay, so we're gonna cut it out now. Uh, and uh, Teal says, uh, if you try to do that, it's gonna kill him. Uh, it can do that whenever it wants to. So be real careful about him about it. Uh, so. Uh, O'Neill asks, so how can we deal with this then? Um, we don't get an answer yet. Uh, we cut back over to Kowalski, where he's like struggling against the straps on his bed that look really uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, and he's like, yeah, he's not struggling. He's uh, he's like kind of twitching because he's hurting real bad because of the thing in his brain. Uh, he pleads with uh, General Hammond to tell the doctors to give him some painkillers because he can't stand it. Uh, and Hammond says, all right, no, you, you need to hang in there because uh, we can't do that because you're going to lose the battle if we give you morphine and stuff. Uh, Kowalski gets real angry at this. He says, no, fuck you. Like, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting here. Uh, I need you to help me. Tell them right now to cut it out of me. Um, yeah, and like O'Neill tells him, yo, Tilk said if we do that, you're going to die because it's going to know, basically. Uh, Kowalski says, I don't care, I'd rather die than live like this. Uh, so, uh, yeah, grim. Uh, and O'Neill says, uh, actually, yeah, we kind of need to talk to it now, because uh, we're down to plan B, I guess, which is try to reason with it. And Kowalski is uh, not thrilled at that proposition. Uh, he asks, what the hell are you going to tell it? And Tilk says, uh, we need to see about offering it uh, another host, basically, to get it to leave you. And Kowalski uh, is very angry at this proposition and says, no, actually, just kill it. Please get it out of me. I don't want it to survive. I don't want someone else to live through this. Come on, just go ahead and do it. Uh, He gets extremely upset. Uh, O'Neill tries to tell him, no, 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 wait. Just let them do, like, the. we're trying to figure it out. Just help us do this, please. Uh, Kowalski is not hearing it. 
the doctor is warning that uh, Kowalski is, uh, his heart is going crazy right now. Uh, he's getting very much, uh, very angry. Uh, he's just yelling, kill it, kill it, kill it now. And he, he yells that until basically he passes out because his heart, like you see the, uh, what's it called uh, the ECG uh, the, the the heartbeat machine basically goes beep to indicate that his heart has stopped but then like it starts it starts again and then like Kowalski wakes back up as the gold and this is another piece of real good acting because he 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 looks back up and like his entire demeanor has changed now he just looks like a like like an evil bad guy and he has a yeah. creepy like neck movement kind of like a snake and uh, he like stares at General Hammond. Uh, so the subtitles at this point says he says name is Cree, but that that's not what he says. He says something in gold that ends in Cree. He's not saying that his name is Cree, because uh, that that just means hi. Um, uh, just you know subtitles. Uh, <laughs> the first thing he says is, I won't speak to the traitor. He's just like, <laughs> not even, go- I'm gonna pretend Tilk is not even in this room, and that's alright with you. Uh, he turns to General Hammond and says, alright, t- t- tell me what you want to say, go ahead. Uh, and Hammond says, okay, I'm General Hammond, US Air Force, I'm the boss around here, who are you? Uh, and he says, uh, I'm only interested in going back through the Stargate right now, please. Um, and Hyman says, uh, no, uh, listen to me. Uh, you, you don't get to make any demands. I have a proposition for you. And uh, Gold c- uh, counters with its counter offer, which is uh, release me now or I will kill you right now. Um, <clears throat> Hammond uh, just like goes right on through with his proposal, which is, uh, so if you exit this body right now, we're just gonna dial the Stargate, send you back to Chulak as a, as a larva, and you can just live out your life from there and take over whoever you want on that <laughs> planet, which, you know, shitty, but hey, I guess that's the compromise you make with a uh, real bad guy alien when... You could uh, go back to the planet where you had all those slaves and we just sent a bunch of them back to... Maybe go find one of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's shitty on a number of levels. Uh, they are definitely valuing Kowalski's life over anyone else's at this point. Uh, when you stop and think about it for a second, uh, I guess it's plausible deniability. They, they don't know for sure that the the larva would find anyone else on the other side. Uh, also, they might just decide to betray the larva and kill it as soon as it's out of there, which sure. is yeah, which is probably what they do. And the gold probably knows this, which is a uh, reason why this doesn't go anywhere. Um, <clears throat> and Hammond says, so if you don't do that, we're going to have to operate and remove remove you surgically from this body, and you're not going to like that. And uh, you'd think like he wouldn't tell him that because, I mean, he'd know anyway, but since Tilk has told him that he might kill Kowalski for trying to do that. Uh, but the gold, who is, like, once again, we've mentioned a four-year-old throwing a tantrum, starts just trying to shake loose of, of the straps on the on the medical bed and yelling, uh, release me now or I will destroy you. Um, and Hammond uh, <laughs> and his dad voice says, stop, do not attempt to escape. You stop <laughs> what you're doing right now, young man. Um, and then he uh, does the military version of that, which is say, uh, we're going to shoot you if you keep that up. And he calls the guards over to point their guns at him, uh, which is at this point, 
uh, the gold retreats, <laughs> so to speak, and gives control back to Kowalski. Um, so, yeah, we get Kowalski now, once again, with his fearful, normal human voice saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, and then Odin says, don't shoot. And then he just, Kowalski just starts crying. Uh, he, he says, oh God, what did I do? And O'Neill says, ah, you just said some really mean things. You got a little <laughs> mouthy. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, he's crying. Uh, it's real sad. Uh, Hammond says, Warner, uh, he, he talks to the doctor and says, okay, Warner, uh, you just cut this thing out of him. Take uh, Tell me whatever you need to do it and do it. Uh, I just want this thing out of him. Uh, please do whatever you can. Uh, there's clearly no more, no hope in negotiating with this thing. Uh, this conversation is over, and he leaves the room. Um, yeah, we cut back to the briefing room. Uh, Hammond is having a real busy day because he has to go back to the B plot here. Uh, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, Colonel Kennedy actually called this meeting because he has something he wants to suggest to everyone. Uh, about this whole Kowalski situation. Uh, he prefaces this by saying, forgive me if what I'm about to say appears to be callous, which is always a really good sign that that's exactly what it's going to be. Um, he says, we probably shouldn't remove this gold. And Onion says, I ah, fuck you. Yeah, no. Um, then uh, <coughs> uh, Kennedy plays the 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 rational uh pragmatic card i guess by asking the doctor so what are the chances that kowalski will survive this and dr warner says uh maybe 10 to 12 percent i don't know um and he asks and would the gold survive uh then he like he tries to couch that in some kind of weird humanitarian way by saying it is an intelligent being after all as if He's the kind of guy who would ever, like, in all cases, recognize the rights of a gold. Uh, there's not a chance that that's real, and he's just trying to, like, make his case, I guess. Um, and, like, uh, Dr. Warner says, ah, no, uh, he would, like, the, the parasite would not survive. We would literally cut it out there. It would be dead. Uh, and Kennedy says, so we would be tragically killing an innocent, intelligent Gua'uld, and just for a 10% chance to save another guy. So you can see how this is ethically problematic, right? <laughs> and O'Neill says, no, I really don't see what the yeah. problem is here. He's like, nah. Yeah, there, I mean, yeah, there are ethical issues you might raise about this whole situation. I think they're not at all the ones that Colonel Kennedy is talking about, though. The, um, even from, if we go to a full cynical military perspective, it's like, you want to keep the hostage to, like, the, yeah. to interrogate it. It's a four-year-old with a god complex? Yeah, like, it's already proven it has, it has yeah. no interest in, like, cooperating in this interrogation that they wouldn't run on on. On it. Well, and then um, especially once, you know, Teal'c says that they have genetic memory. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, I mean... That's, yeah, that, that, that's we, an interesting source of it. intel, right? And that's... Oh, boy, this genetic genetic memory is gonna be hell of a... Wow, I lost the word. Uh, with uh, a, a plot device that oh, they're yeah. gonna go back to it, with... It uh, becomes important. Yep, yep, yep. It's a, it's a big MacGuffin that <laughs> that, that they want to they get their hands on uh, in the show. Um, so, 
Yeah, uh, Kenny says, well, if, if the thing was safe, I'd be, I'd agree with you, but like, considering the chances we're dealing with, we have to think of another solution. Uh, so, uh, he says, so if we do this, Major Kowalski would just have died and we had, we, we will have gained nothing from this. And, uh, Carter asks, kind of plays into his hands and says, so what if we don't do that? And Kennedy says, well, okay, think about it for a second. Uh, these infant golds, uh, if they're so young, uh, and that they, uh, that in their larval form they need a Jaffa, maybe they're like immature enough. Um, yeah, okay, there's a real shitty, uh, point where he asks Teal to remind him of the word Jaffa, and Kennedy tr- wants to translate it as incubator, which is real nice when you're staring at the guy who is one of those right now, that you're like, telling him he's a machine that has a light bulb in it to make eggs warm. Um, uh, so, oh yeah, okay, so this is when we learn about the gen- genetic memory. He asks Teal'c, how come they're so smart? Uh, and Teal'c explains, uh, yeah, they have the Assassin's Creed genetic memory thing, where they all know about everything their lineage knew. Um, uh, and Kennedy, Which is like, interesting because th- it makes them not exactly clones, but kind of clones. Yeah, it's it's just like they're, I guess, memory clones. Like they 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 just inherit all the all the memory, but they're like their own uh, distinct beings, and they're not genetically clones. Yeah, as you said, um, it's just like I don't know. It's a it's a way to get on because 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 like it, it, the 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 propagation of information in this universe is really interesting because like whenever a gold uh takes a host they instantly know everything that their host knew uh i don't know if if that quite works in reverse or whatever but there is some kind of like mental communication between the two and like the host can learn things i think the host sees into the gold's mind literally also yes that, that's yeah. pretty well established later on um Very so yeah you always later. So yeah, like presumably, like a host would also learn everything about the gold genetic memory if that happened. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. Um, Colonel Kennedy, the way he reacts to this almost seems like he already he already knew about this, even though this is the first time we hear about it, because that's specifically what he was uh, aiming for in this exchange. That's because yeah, that's what he wants. Odd. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. wanted an information source, but and then that one sounded like a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Candy says, yeah, okay, think about it for a second. We could get all this intel. Uh, O'Neill says, well, okay, I thought about it for a second and dismissed it instantly, so fuck you. Um, uh, yeah, so Candy continues trying to make his case. Uh, he says, so we, if we could interrogate this guy and learn everything he and his whole family tree knew about, that would be great. And Teal'c says, ah, you would never get this thing to talk, ever. Uh, Daniel says, yeah, uh, these things think that they're gods and that we're jike ants to them or whatever. They're, they wouldn't give us the time of day, even if we threaten to torture them to death or anything. That would never work. Um, so Kennedy tries to go a, a different route and says, okay, well, what if we just like ran tests and shit on them and like just went f- at least learned some scientific facts about these things, uh, which I, mean, I if, guess if you could learn more. Genetic, I guess you could theoretically find some way to decode its genes to find that. Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know if 
it being alive would let you study it better than if it was dead. I guess you could get like you could poke at Kowalski's brain and get like neurological feedback on, and stuff like they do with neurological studies uh, or like stick electrodes in them or something. But I don't know uh, if it kind of feels like he's grasping his straws and he just wants yeah, to get... Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's just yeah. making shit up. Yeah, he just wants to get him a gold. Uh, and then like Hammonds has had enough at this point. He's like, what the fuck? You're, you just, you come in here and you speak bullshit and you're just trying to convince us to let our guy go and not try to save his life. And like, as, as long as there anything we can do to possibly save his life, we're going to do it. So fuck off. Or there is um, another, there's another option that the show definitely doesn't seem to agree with, but mm-hmm. the Gawold from the Jaffa and the pilot disappeared. It's out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. They don't. They don't acknowledge that at all. So, now, I'm not there, saying he's necessarily. That's necessarily him, but uh-huh. it could yeah. be. Yeah, he's just trying to get the other Gawold out safe. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, oh, that he's a Cur- Colonel Kennedy. That would be great. That would be a, a nice twist. Uh, like, uh, <clears throat> fire up your head cannon if you want to think about that. Uh, I don't think Colonel Kennedy ever no, appears again not. after this episode. He's mentioned a couple times. But no, they replaced him with Mayburn. And yeah, yeah, Mayburn is going to be the new guy. They found a guy with an even more hateable face the, to become yes, the recurring yeah, with the- Pentagon stooge that gets in their way. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Hammond tells him to fuck off, and Colonel Kennedy says, okay, well, I'm going to go back over to my journal and tell him about this. And Hammond, like, raises his uh, the stakes and says, oh, well, I'm just going to fucking call the president then and tell him to tell you to fuck off, so have a good day. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's how this scene is resolved, and Hammond says, I've basically, I've had enough of this bullshit, let's go over there and save Kowalski's life now. All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, we cut over to more gross gold stuff because, okay, uh, Teal'c is laying down uh, bare-chested on an uh, uh, examination table and there's a whole metal frame thing that's over his belly that's holding, like, the gold that's sticking out of it because that, that's, like, their, their gold-restraining yeah, apparatus. Yeah, I mean, you know, it keeps it, it keeps it safe from you actually just, like, grabbing it with forceps and laying it across like it's a... right. Uh, uh, he's got his own little you know. mini iris <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so so yeah uh, Warner asks Teal'c so do you think this one is, is uh, working better than the other one and Teal'c says yeah I think so I like uh, it I, I like that this is a good little bit of actual kind of science you know yeah he's, he's testing it, he's testing anesthetics yep on specifically the organism that they're going to remove yeah to try uh, because 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 yeah as since Tealcast told told them that the goal will try to kill Kowalski if it senses that they're trying to remove it uh, they need to knock that gold out before the operation yeah um, so that's why they need to find an anesthetic that works on gold uh, so yeah uh, Warner asks Teal uh, you don't like feel it falling asleep or anything and Teal says no I don't communicate with it it's just in my belly. Um, but it's just basically they're going off of vibes. It seems to be getting sluggish. Uh, pun not intended, but there you go. Um, so uh, Warner says, okay, I think this is the right one. Uh, he's found the anesthetic he's going to use for the, for the operation. And 
I, I guess the infirmary doesn't have uh, that many it's rooms a, because it's a, it's, like it's a small set. Yeah, because <laughs> Kowalski is laying in his bed in the same room right next to them, with with uh, O'Neill sitting on a stool next to him, kind of like just uh, uh, doting over him. Um, we have one room <coughs> worth of hospital props that we're gonna yeah. make do. Yeah, I think I think it's more of a like a creative decision so that they could just do this transition without cutting to a different scene where you see Teal'c and the golden anesthetic stuff, and then just pan over to Kowalski to establish that uh, this is like the last conversation they're gonna have before the operation. Uh, O'Neill tells him, "Oh, they're about getting ready now." It's real uh, conservative uh, camera work. Yep. Because it's like it's it's all one shot from I think from like the start with the close up on the Guaul it like goes out to see like Teal and and Doctor Warner and then it pans over to O'Neill and Kowalski that's all like it's pretty good like as a as a non film person uh, <laughs> it seems like a cool camera move to put on a on a sci fi show from 90, from ninety so uh yeah uh Kowalski basically uh wants to uh give his last wills to to O'Neill just in case he doesn't wake up from the operation. Uh he says he wants his body to be cremated with the thing so that there's nothing to study after he's dead. Um which is, you know, it's a valid concern when you know that uh, there's a colonel there who wants to get you back to it, to the Pentagon to study. But uh yeah, he doesn't want that. Uh, and O'Neill is uncomfortable with this conversation. He says, ah, don't tell me about this. You're not going to die. You're going to be fine. And, and Kowalski says, ah, no, actually, I need to talk about it now in case, because it could be the last time we ever talk. Uh, O'Neill tries to reassure him, saying, no, 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 you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and Kowalski says, no, actually, the doctor told me the numbers, so I don't try to bullshit me. O'Neill says, okay, okay, yeah, fine, okay. You're going to die, actually, so... Tell me everything you want to tell me. Um, and Kowalski says, you're, you're going to be on some other planet when it happens anyway. Um, <laughs> and O'Neill says, I guess this is, like he says, yeah, he's going to be on P3575, which is, which is the planet Hammond was going to give to Kowalski. Finally, he decided to give it to SG-1. Um, which is weird that he's saying that because we know that O'Neill is not actually going to be on a different planet during the operation. He's going to be right there. He's, he's, um, he's just joke. He's just like trying to like in yeah, the mood by just... bringing back their old their old joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and Kowalski says, "Oh, I was gonna go to that planet, and you stole it from me." And O'Neill says, "You're still gonna go there. You're gonna make it through." Um, and Kowalski says, "Ah, even if I survive, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stuck here for a while anyway. So I can't probably lead SG2 very well from a hospital bed." Um, so, yeah, Kowalski says, like, he only holds his hand and says, Kowalski says, uh, no matter what happens, I want to know it was an honor serving with you. Um, it's real sad. And then O'Neill gets a little, like, uh, maudlin, and he, he like, he, he, he kind of, like, softly says to him, listen, uh, I have to ask you something. It's not easy. Uh, Kowalski says, uh, we're friends. It's fine. Go ahead. Uh, O'Neill says, well, if you die, can I get your stereo? <laughs> and um, Kowalski starts laughing and calls him an asshole because like, it hurts to laugh at this point. Um, uh, hmm. Yeah. 
so yeah, uh, we cut over to <laughs> to the operation. Uh, it's a nice long scene. Uh, they have a metal frame with a like a a, a sheet over uh, Kowalski's back that they're they're gonna cut through, and it allows us to like kind of get wide shots wide shots of the operation without looking at a gross. Uh, gash in his without back. having to do any special effects. Yeah, exactly, because it's all going to be well. Actually, they're, they're going to have a bunch of like CG effects, but like oh, on the yeah, computer yeah, that's showing right. a, that's right. showing us a representation of what's going on. Um, which I guess is it's weird because for the nineties it was probably just as expensive to. I actually you know it was probably easier to do like the wireframe blue and red thing on the computer than it would have been to animate a realistic looking CG thing. Um, or like a practical puppet thing in, in oh, his yeah, back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, uh, the this, this, the operation room, and I guess there's like it's an operating theater because there's a an observation room up there with like well, some in chairs. Case, in case you get any aliens, you need. Yeah, a- you have to. Like, you have uh, SG One is there and Hammond uh, looking down at the operation as this is starting, and Kowalski right before they put him under, he he asks. Um, General Hammond that to give the order to kill him if it, if it doesn't work to basically uh, euthanize him because he he doesn't want to like wake up as an as a gold again, um, and Hammond gives his word that they're gonna do that if it comes down to it, and uh, yep, and then they start. So it's a nice tense, pretty long scene. Uh, well, okay, like I so- said, I'm a background kind of guy mm-hmm. and so i appreciate when they pan down to the operation mm-hmm. you can see uh o'neill back above the uh doctor mm-hmm. with his head down looking yep. concerned praying. Yep. yeah he's uh it's a it's like it's a montage you, you see like there's a clock running uh that is telling us how long they've been at it and it takes over an hour before uh, we like we cut back to so we we get to see the nice 3D representation. Like, don't ask me how their computer knows like where the clamps <laughs> on this thing are. Uh, the same way it knows about the molecular destabilization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the um, uh, same computer they use in Enemy of the State to get multiple views <laughs> of a bag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we see like, uh, like yeah. So it's the CG animation of you. You see like the 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 clamps that the doctor is using. Uh, in white, grabbing the tail of the glow that's wrapped around the spine and trying to, like, kind of wiggle it loose. Uh, you, you hear the doctor say, ah, oh, actually, it's coming off pretty easy, surprisingly. Um, so, it yeah, should we, uh, have been their first red flag. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, huh? Well, they, they say they think it's the anesthetic that the, the gold is all knocked out, so it's not holding on or anything, uh, which is, you know... Oh, and the f- ganglia are restricting occasionally uh-huh. yeah yeah exactly so it's uh it's a fairly plausible interpretation of what's going on um so yeah we we pan up to the observation uh room and uh sam says ah it's going pretty like better than we thought it would uh and daniel kind of i mean i i get what why he says that but it's a little bit failing to read the room to says ah if if this works then we can do it to my wife and she's gonna be fine and like yeah yeah it's true like you're right also you know we're worried about yeah we're worried about kowalski right now so and like his best friend is two seats over next to you so maybe like focus on that right now um 
keep keep this to yourself. Be ha- be happy about this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, as you said, Eric, the ganglia constricting periodically. Uh, so uh, it's not completely knocked out. Uh, so uh, I think th- at this point he says like there's some little filaments that are like hooked up to the brain. He's 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 just gonna cut them because uh, what else are you gonna do? Uh, I guess he's not gonna cut into the brain to make sure, which is <laughs> probably our our indication of uh, it's it's already over uh, if it's in the brain and you can't get it out of there. Um, when he starts doing that, uh, Kowalski kind of twitches. Uh, uh, Warner says he doesn't think it's anything he's done because I don't. I guess he hasn't cut the thing yet. Um, um, so yeah, he goes in there, cuts these little uh, cords, and uh, yeah, he takes the clamps, and then we got we get another shot of the CG animation of the clamp. Uh, oh, sorry, of the scissors just cutting. Uh, like uh, only cutting like half of the gold and like uh, pulling it out just like uh, like it it just rolls out of there um and then we do see like the thing being pulled out uh from above where the wound is it looks surprisingly not very bloody for where it's coming from but whatever uh, uh yeah it's gross uh, they pull it's, it out there it's this thing is really long gotta... yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. If it was covered in blood and gore, they, it would have... Uh, even though they had nuded in the previous episode, uh, wouldn't have passed <laughs> syndication or anything. Um, yeah, I don't think... I think the pilot was... They definitely hadn't decided it was going to be syndicated yet. I think that's yeah, how that worked. No. Yeah, and that was... You know, we, we had we, we talked about it, but it's... You know, Showtime was like, yeah, we need some boobies on the show. And it sucked. Um so yeah, uh, they cut it out. They they put it on a little tray and put it out there. Doctor says, "I think we've done it. It's over." Uh, Hooray! So, yay! Everything is fine. There's nine minutes left to this episode. Um, <laughs> so uh, we cut to I guess a few hours later as uh, Kowalski awakens from his uh, anesthesia. Uh, oh, we get we get the Wizard of Oz reference, and uh, at this point, which is uh, there's a whole bunch of those on Stargate. I don't know why yep. it became a running gag specifically. Um, I think it's a I think that's a Richard Dean Anderson thing specifically. Yeah, but it's like there's an episode in this season uh, called Tin Man, and there's going to yes. be a whole bunch of extremely explicit Wizard guess, of Oz it's references. Because sh- it's MGM. Oh yeah, it was oh, a, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, an true. MGM movie, so I guess they're like it was a go-to reference for them that they had. I mean, it's it's public domain that movie anyway, but also you know, it's made they, by boomers. That's yeah. no, it's not. Um, no, it's MG- not. <laughs> it was explicit, explicitly came out before boomers were born. But, but no, uh, no, it's not public domain. It's it's MGM still owns oh, it. Oh, they do. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that been very mad about this forever. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess that uh, that cut I saw with the Pink Floyd music wasn't exactly authorized or legal then. No. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, the, the specifically, he says, that's right, Dorothy, it was all a dream. Um, so, uh, Dr. Warner is over there, and he asks Kowalski to move, move his fingers and his toes to check that his spine is still intact and everything. Uh, they they all like have big smiles when they realize he's still completely mobile. Uh, Warner is 
ecstatic at this and he says congratulations you've exceeded my wildest expectations he he probably thinks he's gonna get a nobel well he's not gonna get a nobel because it's classified but you know he's very proud of himself as a doctor as a surgeon um kowalski uh quote unquote at this point uh says uh he's thirsty and only helps him take him take a sip of water uh he coughs a little bit uh, Oil says, hey, easy, you're not drinking for two anymore. Uh, that's cute. Um, so yeah, Kowalski says, ah, I made it. And Oil says, yeah, it was great. Uh, you made it. Um, <laughs> then we cut to Hammond's office, and I really like the really mean military salute that Hammond gives uh, <laughs> Colonel Kennedy as he enters his room. It's like he has a special salute that he gives people he really hates with like a face that says, I hate your guts right now. <laughs> it really has to be seen to be believed. Um, uh, Kennedy is there to say, I heard that everything went well with the operation. Congratulations. Uh, and he says he's going back to Langley. Uh, which I guess is in the Pentagon. It's, it's the CIA. Langley, so. yeah, Langley is the CIA uh, um, location. Yeah, headquarters. I guess that's where they're going to take uh, the gold carcass to study. Uh, that's going to fall under uh, CIA's purview for some reason. Uh, not that surprising, considering what they do. But you know, eh, I mean, it's external to the united states yeah so. i mean it makes sense and it's their spy agency they would send all their top secret stuff there and everything really um, it's going to go to mit yeah and i mean once again if this was if this episode was a couple season la- seasons later it would be the nid which is going to be there yes. there's specific space related cia that they're going to have later on um so uh yeah uh, Heaven says, all right, bye, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. And Kennedy says, actually, I have orders that I'm taking Tilk with me. Uh, <laughs> Heaven uh, says, uh, you know that he did help us in this operation, and if it wasn't for him, uh, Kowalski would be dead right now, right? Hammond uh, uh, says, I think we owe him for that. Um, and Kennedy says, actually, you're f- you forced my hand by doing this, because... Um, uh, yeah, because uh, now only uh, the only living left. gold we have is in Tilk's belly, so we need him. To, we need to bring him back. Uh, that's the only option we have, uh, which is real shitty. Uh, uh, like Kennedy says, well, the gold are a threat. Like we need to prepare, and that's why we need to do this. And Hammond says, "Yeah, I know. I'm right here. I'm literally the guy manning the front line against the, th- the threat. You asshole." Um, he launches into a few good men speech. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and Kenny says, <laughs> "Okay, well, all right, uh, I'm gonna leave tomorrow morning, and I'll I'll have Tilk with me. So bye." Um, and they give each other another angry salute, <laughs> and Kennedy turns around and leaves. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we cut back to Kowalski, where Daniel is giddy. Because he says, ah, actually, uh, yeah, Kennedy's going to take the gold back. And uh, before he takes it, do you want to look at it? And Kowalski's like, wait, what? No, I don't want to look at it. And when it says, Daniel thinks it's fascinating. <laughs> Daniel, yeah, and like Kowalski's like, no, no, I don't want to see it. Take it away. Thanks. <laughs> um, and then like, yeah, uh, then Carter walks in and says, 
uh, has the bad news for them that she just heard that Tilk is being taken over to Langley. Uh, and O'Neill is not happy. Uh, he says, uh, yeah, like hell they are. And he walks out of there. Uh, yeah, he walks up with uh, Daniel and uh, Carter stays behind a little bit. So uh, she talks to Kowalski a little bit and he says... Uh, you know, if, since if Tilk is gonna leave, uh, could you like ask him to come down here because I want to talk to him? Um, and Carter's like, "Yeah, sure, you got it. Uh, I'm gonna go and try to get him to come down here." So da, 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 we cut over to Tilk being escorted over to the infirmary. Um, he enters the room where Kowalski, quote unquote, is now sitting on top of his bed, and he says, "Yeah, come over here, Tilk. I just want to shake your hand to thank you for saving my life." And Tilk is like, oh, wow, yeah, wow, yeah, great, awesome. Tilk seems uh, really pleased, uh, uh, really, like, touched that he's being thanked by this guy for saving his life. Uh, specifically because, yeah, Kowalski asks the guards to leave the room for a second because he wants to be alone with his friend. And, like, I think Tilk is, is just, like, kind of smiles because, like, he's just heard him being re- being referred as a friend and he's real happy about it. Um so yeah, the guards leave, and then what happens? Of course, shit goes sideways, because the second the guards are out of the door, Kowalski stares back at Tilk with the mean face and the glowing eyes, and uh, like he just grabs him by the throat and starts strangling him, and he says, Aha, I got you. They just remove, like, I guess a dead husk, is what he says. He molted out of it and into the brain or something. Um Basically, they just remove a uh, useless part of the gold, and all the good stuff is still in the brain, and is completely merged with, with Kowalski and has complete control at this point. Uh, so, if you're keeping track at home, what this establishes right now is that gold can essentially fake uh, being human, which is <laughs> going to be pretty important. Um, they, they can just uh, put on a normal voice and pretend to be their host, and they have all the memories of their host, and... Uh, they can lie to people that way. They um, don't have to speak with the with the scary voice or the glowy eyes. No, the, they just do it on no, purpose. They do it on purpose because it really sells the you whole god thing. You know? Yeah, you know it's 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 the it's it's what they prefer for how they present themselves. Uh, even though it's in a shitty, dominating uh, god way, where they're yeah, bad I mean, guys. We've seen Ra and Apophis. We know that they appreciate showmanship. Yeah, exactly. That's, right. That's true. And it also helps the audience understand that it's a gold right now. Also mascara. So, once again, uh, evil gold Kowalski. Uh, the, the guards outside these flapping doors have not heard a single word or, like, body, Tilk's body thudding to the ground. Because, like, uh, Kowalski just, like, kind of, like, dropped him. He just choked him out a little bit. Not enough to kill him, just to knock him out. Uh, yeah, Air Force <laughs> has the worst security here. Yeah, they're, they have their back completely turned to the door, and Kowalski just, like, slams the door open into one of their backs and it, uh, knocks it to the ground. He just, like, karate chops the other one on the neck and kicks the other one on the face <laughs> to, to knock them both out in a second. If this is the security <laughs> at the secret alien part of Cheyenne Mountain, I'd hate to see what the security for the nukes is. Oh, yeah, it's it's terrible. It's You can just, like, get out of there real easily. And they just uh, show up. So now this gold is like in the in the hospital gown, not, not a gown, but you know, kind of scrubs kind of thing, uh, wearing slippers, completely unarmed, uh, 
Okay, we have a short scene first of O'Neill uh, arguing with Hammond, trying to, to get him to uh, undo uh, Kennedy's order to have Tilk stay there, uh, trying to argue for Tilk's human rights and says, you know, he's human, mostly, sort of, and he wasn't born on this planet, but that stuff still applies to him, uh, which, uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Kowalski, as I said, in hospital get up, unarmed, just walks up to the control room, yells, get out! And uh, the extras that are there start walking out. Um, Walter is the only one who, like, goes, hey, no, wait, what? And, and like, he gets his shit kicked in. Yeah, he, he goes, <laughs> hey, man, he tries to prevent him because <laughs> ev- everyone on the base knows that Kowalski has been a gold, so they would immediately know what's going on at this point. Uh, he, he tries to prevent him from going to type on the computer uh he gets yeah he grabs uh the goal <laughs> grabs kowalski's hand just slams it on the desk to like hurt him real bad uh starts once again typing the stargate address uh and uh so yeah the alarm sounds because as it does when the stargate is being dialed thankfully uh we we cut over to back to in front of the infirmary where tilk has woken up and is uh, walking out and sees that the guards are knocked out, uh, puts two and two together. Uh, w- Dr. Warner comes running and asks Tilk what happened. Uh, we see over uh, back on the gate room a real quick insert shot of uh, Kowalski actually setting the base's self-destruct countdown. Um, then, yeah, we cut back to Tilk and Dr. Warner, and uh, Tilk says, the gold has won, it's taken complete control, sorry. Uh, Warner says, how? And Tilk says, uh, yeah, it deceived us. Uh, yeah, they, they do that, sorry. Yeah, we thought he was cured, he wasn't, sorry. Truth be told, um, I've, never ac- I've never actually seen one not do the voice. This, this was news to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 this is this is spy shit that the like I'm not privy to. That's the goal. That's above my pay grade in the gold hierarchy. Uh, uh, yeah. So we cut back to uh, the control room where, uh, where Kowalski finishes entering the coordinates and he uh, gets the blast doors to come down to try to lock himself in the gate room essentially. Uh, but Tilk is already there and he's standing on the ramp. With his legs like spread eagle, weirdly enough, it, it he has a weird like power pose that he's trying to, to to hold like in front of the ramp to prevent him from passing. Uh, I don't know. I just just think it looks a little silly. Um, then like yeah, Teal says you cannot pass, and it was a few years too early for that to be a Lord of the Rings reference, but it's real close. Um, <laughs> Kowalski then goes. And just like tosses both of his fists up in the air to like, like he's in Hydra and he just runs at Tilk and uh, tries to tackle him basically into the Stargate. But uh, Tilk is a large man, so he can't be tackled that easily. Um, You'd think the ancestral memory would tell the Gawul that the Jaffa body is stronger than yours. Yeah, I mean, like, Gold also have improved body in relation to their yeah. hosts, and Kowalski was an Air Force major, so, you know, that guy still works out, even though he's clearly not as muscular as Tilk is. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're back in the control room with the blast door shut, and Hammond and O'Neill are there, and they see that the self-destruct is set. 
O'Neill asks how how did he how did he know how to set the self destruct and Hammond says uh, I don't know how but it needs two officers to override it and we're here right now so let's do that uh, they both type each on their own keyboard thankfully it's not like that uh, NCIS bit um, <laughs> so we come back to the gate room where uh, the gold and teal are are wrestling on the ramp right in front of the Stargate um, trying to like. I guess yeah. Uh, so Kowalski is trying to run out into um, into the Stargate, and Teal'c is trying to hold him back. He does manage, like, kind of dip his head into it before Teal'c pulls him back from it. Which I don't know if, if the implication is that this. Yeah, I guess the implication is that O'Neill gets the idea to essentially use the Stargate to kill this Gold and also Kowalski at this point because he specifically tells Teal'c to hold his head in the Stargate. Or there's like another uh, interpretation is that from his point of view, uh, O'Neill didn't see that the head was partially in the Stargate. And when he said hold him there, he meant hold him in front of the Stargate. But anyway, O'Neill yells uh, at the people there to shut down the Stargate. Um, And when the Stargate shuts down, uh, half of Kowalski's head was inside of it, so we cut back to right in front of it, and he's uh, being held there by Tilk, and we see that the, the the back part of his cranium is just completely cut off now. And so he, did the back his... part of a head just fall, fall out on the whatever planet he dialed? I think so. I, I mean, that's how it happened in Stargate. Or, well, the movie. Yeah, with the, with the transporter gates. Yeah, with the teleporter game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess I they're the same technology-ish. So, this, okay. that's unclear. I'm trying to think as like that's that's a Stargate mechanic that is more explicited later on. That when you, you to go, go through the, the Stargate, through. yeah, yeah. If, if you're partially into a Stargate, the parts that have gone through go into a buffer. And then the other Stargate yes. only reintegrates you when the whole body has gone through. I don't. So what? What it would be, right? Because it's too, you know, when when we get later on and you get more Sam Carter talking about shit, mm-hmm. it's explicitly uh, uh, to the event horizon of a wormhole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're shutting it off midway, mm-hmm. I would assume that you're basically. I think it's just lost. Yeah, it's just it's just lost. It's it's just gone. Yeah, it it, it never gets you integrated because the receiving Stargate never got the signal that all of Kowalski had gone through. I don't know how the Stargate knows where a human body ends or whatever, uh, but it does apparently. And like an object, it it has a sense of what an object <laughs> is as opposed to a bunch of matter and also all the air that's around it. Um, it knows for some reason. Don't worry too much about it. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can't use that buffer zone to eventually build a Frankenstein's monster. I don't think so. Doubtful. But the the like I, I'm thinking It'd of a specific cool, episode where uh, it, that's in Atlantis, where they're kind of jammed partway into a Stargate, and they have to yeah, figure out yeah. how to get all the way through the Stargate before it shuts off. Those are also newer. Those are newer Stargates. Yeah, it's 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 a different Stargate, so it's not doesn't necessarily apply in the same way. It's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, there's theirs have, the, have LEDs. They're really nice. Yeah, they're they're the nice. Uh, no more sp- no more moving parts. It's yeah, a, it's a real update. 
Yeah, the nice Pegasus Stargates. They also have a force field iris over there. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Digital um, versus analog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. But yeah, that's 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 the episode I'm thinking of because it's probably the episode that goes the most in depth about the mechanics of the Stargates, and it's deep into Atlantis, so we're not going to get there for a long time. Um, anyway, all that to say, uh, Kowalski tumbles. We get a real blurry shot of him flipping around where we can just kind of barely make out that the back of his head is a big, uh, gory hole now. Um, I said gory hole? Uh, <laughs> gory hole? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he falls down onto the ramp. And weirdly enough, we kind of see, like, the head of the, the head part of the gold that, yeah. that was still in his head that didn't get cut off by the Stargate, apparently. It falls out of there, and then it kind of deflates and, like, smokes and shit. It's, it's yeah, weird it's, that it does that, but it I does that. It's like weird part of it got cut off, and there's just a little chunk, but the deflating is still yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's <laughs> how, how can we tell in one three-second shot that the gold that is dead? dead. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the ba- that's the basic gist of it, and also like that it doesn't leave much of a body to study. Like uh, it just burns up for some reason, so that they can take it to the CIA or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, O'Neill runs down to to just uh, I guess cradle oh, Kowalski's uh, body and look at it. Ju- you do have the, the one shot just before he starts running down, where you just have this look of absolute horror on his face, and that's that's a good, yeah. good shot. Oh, it's, it's heartbreaking. He's uh, he's so sad at what happened. Uh, yeah, Charlie was, Char- well, Charlie Kowalski. I said because Charlie was also the name of his son, but um, right. yeah, he was basically his his best pre Stargate friend, and now he's dead. So that's that's rough. Um, so yeah, uh, he the the him and Teal bend down over his body. Um, uh, Teal says he was your friend, and O'Neill says uh, my friend died on the operating table. He was gone already by then. Uh, I guess uh, it's cold comfort, but whatever. And uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Is that and the, then the- they all just. Sorry. Walk away. Yeah, they walk away from there. Leave his le- body le- le- on the ramp. Leave that to the coroner, I guess. The <laughs> CSI crew or whatever. I don't know what the process is. Uh, who goes there and and uh, and gathers the the dead body from the gate room? Uh, even more I assume, rudely, but you know, yeah. you the, you could still pick up. There's not a lot of chain of evidence that needs to happen here. They, they could just leave it there until the next time the the Stargate opens. That takes care of the cremation, right? Uh, <laughs> at, at this point, they right, right. It's like, no, we're not taking any more hat, any more chances. We're going to leave that there until we get a, someone with like full biohazard stuff out. To oh yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. So even uh, more rudely, we, we cut- the guards have their guns pointed. You know, yeah. just in case. Yeah, they still, they still got them trained. They, they don't know. When Neil leaves. Yeah, they walk away, but Teal'c is still next to the body. Uh huh. So uh, clearly, they don't care about Teal'c. Uh huh. Well, Teal'c's a good Rude. guy. He, he's just proven his allegiance right there. This seems to like pretty much convince everyone. Uh, so we cut to some time later, where uh, SG, well, Daniel and Carter are suiting up and walking in the hallway. This is such a weird transition. 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's now it's, oh, hey, we're going to travel through the gates yeah, it's, now. It's, it's, it's to tell us, okay, we've reached the status quo. It's time for fun Stargate Adventures now. Try to not think <laughs> too hard time, about... Is it time for fun Stargate Adventures uh, now? It's time for some racism. <laughs> it's um, time for Stargate <laughs> Adventures now. We're, we're going to yeah. leave the fun up to, up to your discretion. <laughs> see about that next week um but yeah there's there's a bit of like interesting uh dialogue there where uh sam tells daniel uh you know since he knew how to set the auto destruct code that means that the gold knew something that kowalski knew which uh gives us some hope for Sharae and skara because that means that they're not like dead in there it means that their brain still functions and they have memories that can be accessed so that's like a small measure of hope even though we've just proven that our current uh, surgical methods are not sufficient to get us gold safely out of someone uh which is i which i think is the whole point of this episode is to establish that that you can't cure a gold easily uh, or trivially uh, which is the same kind of thing that Battlestar Galactica did over the whole first season with their gold detector thing. Uh, that was a longer, yeah. Uh, wait, sorry, silent detector thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, no, they don't. They don't have to detect golds and Starkey. They have enough. Um, no, they don't have to do they that. Have they have problems. Yeah. Uh, they have. So I'm not sure pretty... which enemy I like more. I don't know. Would, would... I, I feel like I think Battles... I'd want to deal with the Cylons more. They're actually they're just people. They're just robot people. I mean, gold are just snake people. They're, nah, they're mean, I mean, but so are the Cylons. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also feel like just on a numbers game basis alone, you have a better survival chance if you live in the Stargate universe than in the Battlestar one. Considering there's like 40,000 humans left out of billions in Battlestar. Yeah, uh, yeah there were like uh, 12 planets of roughly Earth size that all got yeah. nuked down to like a couple ships. Yeah. Yeah, we we do at least have a full Earth that is doing its Earth things in Stargate. Um, (laughs) um, So, (laughs) we cut to Hammond on the phone shooting the breeze with President Bill Clinton saying, oh yeah, anytime, just come over, we'll just like have a beer or two, like just chill, it'll be fine, yeah. Do you think uh, that then, this like, was just like a subtle, a subtle like suggestion that hey, if Bill Clinton, if you're watching this, we will definitely have you for a cameo. Come over, like you know, we, we we've seen contact. We saw what they had to do because you wouldn't go there. Please don't make us do this. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we get a little pause, and then Hammond says, "Well, hell, sir, he's right here. Tell him yourself." Uh, <laughs> Which I really like to imagine the voice of Bill Clinton on the other side saying, Hey, is Kennedy there? Can you just yeah. tell him to go fuck himself, please? Uh, Can I talk to Kennedy, please? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kennedy. I got some words for him. <laughs> Fucking go fuck yourself, you asshole. <laughs> Basically, that's now the... Li- now listen here, you little piece of shit. Uh-huh. I hope you enjoy our very good Bill Clinton impressions, everyone. We're... Daryl Hammond's over there, all of us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're back down to the gate room where Hammond is uh, going down to see SG-1 off on their mission to P3A575. Or, I don't know if there's an A in that planet name or not, because they keep switching back and forth. Uh, 
and then like the the door opens and we see Tilk uh, all decked out in uh, in the same uniform as the rest of SG One uh, with his staff weapon. Uh, he he uh, walks up to Hammond and says, "Reporting as ordered." And like O'Neill, like kind of stage whispers to him to to say, "Sir." And Tilk says, <laughs> "Sir." And uh, yeah, Hammond says, "Welcome aboard." So after all this, uh, Tilk has been approved to be an official member of SG One. Yay! Yeah. Uh, they have a little small talk about the planet they're about to go to. Uh, which I don't think is implied to be literally the planet from this next episode because of that whole time that's passing ar- around. And also, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Also, they, they're they gonna go like it's Vancouver. There's nothing interesting there. They come back. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, and they're they're gonna start talking, having like anecdotes that they tell each other pretty fucking fast. So there's clearly a bunch of like off-screen planets we never see. Yeah. Um, so this is even though by the time that we get to. Mayburn? Yeah. There are 19 planets oh, that they've yeah. been to. Okay. Uh, that's an episode number. Which one is that? Four, five? No, I feel that's it's not in... too far down. I'm trying oh, to remember eight. which episode there's tw- it is. There's 20, there's 20, there's 22 episodes. Oh, that's it. That's an Enigma. It's episode 17. 17. Yeah, so, there we go. So. I don't know. It, you just have to count the planets. They don't go to a new one in uh, yeah. the Enemy Within or in Hathor or in Bloodlines. So, uh, anyway, whatever. <laughs> but they've got nine teams. This is a terrible rate. No wonder yeah. Mayburn was pissed. I yeah. agree with him. You yeah. should have found something. They, 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 th- they <laughs> sent like three teams per planet, apparently, or something. I don't know. Um, that, that, that's it for this episode. Uh, that was the enemy within. Uh, the, the, yeah, uh, the, it's the last of the big arc episodes that like open the series uh yeah the 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 series has officially started now yeah yeah we have like our first status quo the status quo is not extremely stable it's somewhat stable on the show like it's it changes like a couple times per season i'd say uh so it's it's gonna be like it it is gonna be dynamic it's not like the power rangers where it's gonna be same plot we haven't yeah i mean you haven't really started the big we we haven't started the 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 big fights, yeah. you know, we're yeah. we're not into we're not into war. Yeah, no, uh, no the it's politics a... hasn't gotten dark and murky yet. Yeah, uh, we haven't been through the serpent slayer or been prisoners yet. Yeah, or... yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we haven't so, met there, we... any of the other galactic powers yet. No, we yeah, haven't. Like we, th- this is this is really just like okay, there's some gould out there. Uh, they're bad. Yep. And that's fa- that's, there's that, other planets. Let's explore. It's, it's yeah. It's the the exploration phase starts basically where we're just gonna go out and try to find any cool shit that the galaxy has for us that can maybe help progress the plot along. Um, but yeah. Uh, so we're we're starting a run of three planet of the. Actually, no, more than that. Uh, there's a bunch of planets of the week coming up. Uh, yes, but like some of them are going to start arcs later on, but some of them don't go anywhere, and we start with three that don't go anywhere. So have fun. Thank with that. God. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah, for you sure. get a run of real bad ones, but uh huh. Yeah, and just a whole lot, a whole lot, a whole lot of and like I understand is nineteen ninety eight. Uh-huh. You know, and when I was watching this shit, I was like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah, but well, like you get a whole ton of. Gender affirmation stuff. Oh, God. Next episode Just is the, the worst most, one. 
okay. in the most heavy-handed way possible. Yeah, I'm going to lay it out for you. The next episode's title is Emancipation. Uh, in my opinion, uh, there are, f- like, four particularly bad Stargate SG-1 episodes that are all in Season 1. Like, they're not, not every episode in future season is a home run either, but there's, like, these that I'm thinking of are... Particularly, oh, the super hugely bad episodes, and we have which, one of those next week. Which is not great because they have good actors in them. Uh huh. Yeah, they do. Like, oh that's god, the, that's oh, the, the part that sucks. Oh, the one next week. Oh, the villain of yeah. the week next week is such a good actor. Uh, but he's in a bad episode. Sorry, he, uh, he is a good actor, and he should be in more oh, things. So good. Why is he, he only should. in the, like, the one movie and this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're really talking around it, even though that's easily verifiable trivia for anyone who's listening. But uh, yeah, let's, we'll, we'll, let's we'll keep in the suspense because we're going to need some good things to hold on to when we get there next week. Uh, yeah, something I, I'm not to going say. to watch. <laughs> I'm not going to watch the episode until the week of, so I have no idea what you're talking oh, have about. Fun. Awesome, excellent. I, ho- I hope you recognize the actor we're referring to. And also, there's another one you might recognize if you've watched ahead in a show that we cover in a different podcast, but that's a big if. Um, anyway, join us next week for Emancipation, <laughs> and for now, we have a couple questions that we got on our Twitter, at JeffaTakes. Awesome. Uh, let's start with uh, first of two questions by Aurora Borealis. Um uh, Aurora Borealis. The, the Aurora Borealis? In our kitchen at this time of year? Uh, she asks, what's the most comical use of the whole Stargate super knife thing you could imagine? Uh, she's referring to, of course, the way that uh, Kowalski's head got caught at the end of this episode. Oh, okay, um, okay. That, how, that I can imagine? That you can imagine. The, the most comical one would be to cut off, uh, to like uncap a bottle of Oh god, they should do like uh, that would be bad. That would yeah, be bad. Yeah. They should do like uh christenings or something like uh for yes. military equipment in the gate room and they have a bottle of champagne and they just like stick it in the stargate turn <laughs> stick it, it off. Hit and turn it off. <laughs> yep. Woo. <laughs> that's I want them to that's do, stupid it would be cool. Uh I want them to do not seriously want them to do, but I could see them doing a uh, very special holiday episode where, uh, you know, they're trying to teach other people about uh, the reason for the season. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they make a uh, nice big uh, holiday dinner and put half of it through the Stargate. And it cuts the turkey in half. And whoever gets the bigger portion of the wishbone gets their wish. <laughs> on, on whatever side. Oh, that's okay. real good. Oh. I, uh, I, w- I want the terrible... Uh, 1970 safety videos. For the Stargate. Someone explaining like the the oh, the OSHA, do not, the, the safety stuff like that's yes. around the Stargate. The do not place your hand in the Stargate. Stargate. Uh-huh. If you don't, if you do not intend to pass through the Stargate, yeah, only go like keep out like the there's, there's these big yellow and uh, black lines all over like the front yes. of the ram that tells you don't go there. Respect, look at them. Don't cross that line unless you're gonna step through the Stargate. <laughs> yeah, there's there's gotta be like the SGC has to have this orientation video that tells people that stuff. <laughs> don't the play poker. Will the... disintegrate you. <laughs> don't play poker. Do on not the stand step. on the do not stand line and then footage from yeah, the exactly. guy dying in the pilot 
Um, I don't know why they... Yeah, whatever. I was just like, why are they set up there specifically? There's got to be better rooms. Yeah, because it was, you know, everything was in tarp. It was just a warehouse, and they were, like, kind of cheating. So they went to the room where they thought no one would look at them, basically, is the, is the reason. Um, all right. Uh, she also asks, any advice to sci-fi doctors to help them not get murdered by alien parasites? Hmm. That's a good Body one. Body system. Yeah. Yeah. You could yeah, like, where's your where's your nurse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be alone in a room with your patient when you know that's a possibility. Uh also that big red alarm button on the wall. As soon as you're as you as you've confirmed that your patient is in fact an evil alien, you should slam that button before going to talk to them. Uh or the, instead of a button, just have a life alert. There are hostile <laughs> alien parasites that are a thing that exist. Every, every patient comes in under armed guard. <laughs> we will we will come to see that the SGC has absolutely zero quarantining p- policy. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah None. It's 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 going to be a, a big problem. Just a free for all. Come on in. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's got they're going to mention that they have a uh, kind of security theater to check for people <laughs> for gold infection, but it's not enough. Um <laughs> It's just that are you actually why with there's the not a reboot? Yes. Co- yeah. COVID has actually killed everything in the galaxy now. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally an immigration form for when you cross into a, into another country. Uh-huh. What what is your reason for visit? Do you have fruits or vegetables on you? What is the uh what's the location of the place that you'll be staying at? Uh-huh. They probably don't even burn intergalactic trash. <laughs> They need to watch no free rides to learn about uh, not bringing foreign pests and parasites. Yeah, exactly. Or that one episode of The Simpsons. on YouTube. Sorry. If anyone wants to know how to handle international trash oh, that right. arrives in the U.S., uh, just look up the video No Free Rides on YouTube. Yeah, I, for- I forgot that you're actually involved with that stuff <laughs> at your work. So actually, but yeah. if it comes from Canada, it is not treated as international trash. Oh, no, it's fine. I guess those treaties still work for something. It used to be that we didn't need, we didn't need a password for that border. Uh, we do now, but I guess for that purpose, it's still fine. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, other question by Jasmine Marsh. Uh, what method would you set up to check for possessed people? All right. Uh, I'm gonna st- like I'm gonna start with the show's answer to this. Uh, they they mention like later on that uh, they do. Uh, quick neck checks to anyone who gets back from the Stargate to check that there's no bulge on their necks. Uh, and then Dr. Fraser, who's going to be the, the recurring doctor we haven't seen yet, uh, she says that they're going to have to start running actual MRIs on everyone because uh, s- s- wouldn't you know it, sometimes uh, something gets past that quick check that they do. Uh, a funnier thing would be to demand of anyone walking back through the Stargate that they recite some kind of uh, formula that says something like the ghouls suck, they're, they're terrible gods, <laughs> uh, no one should worship them, they're assholes, whatever, like the, the, yeah, the stuff that a ghoul would never say. Ego <laughs> ego killer, yeah. Yeah, security through ego. Uh, that, that, that would probably be pretty effective. Yeah, I mean that's basically you know just a just a walk through MRI, uh-huh. which you you know stand still and and whatnot. But yeah, uh, um, I mean minor spoilers for later. You make you make them sit through a Thor movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Gavold would not be able to do that. 
They would just get too mad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's it's right. Or, uh, yeah, make them watch Moon Knight more directly. Oh, yeah, um, that would just be personally insulting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Tool Time asks, what's the worst bottle episode you have personally seen? What's the best one you've seen? Hmm. It's a good question. Like, of of anything? Of anything, I guess. Uh, uh, I I cannot pull something like that off the top. Yeah, of my I can't head, remember honestly. much. Uh, there was there was the 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 best one or the the most memorable one I can remember is the the TNG one where uh, Doctor Crusher is stuck in the time loop. Most of the and good every- bottle. Sorry, you finished. Yeah, yes. yeah, she. Uh, <laughs> She gets stuck in a time loop, and every time it uh, yeah, resolves, yeah. the ship gets smaller, and some people disappear, and she has to figure it out. That's pretty good. It's it's a it's a pretty classic battle episode because yeah, it's it's on, on the ship. Is that con- okay? Yeah, I don't know if that yeah. counts because like most of TNG is all on the ship. Oh, well, I mean they go to planets a bunch, but TNG had even cheaper like early TNG had even le- less budget and cheaper values than early Stargate, if you can imagine. But uh, yeah. My problem is like I'm thinking of most of the good <clears throat> bottle episodes I can think of our later episodes of this show. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> Very. The, uh, I I I know it's not uh, the best of the seasons, mm-hmm. but I think it's like season ten. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's the last last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no more, no more MacGyver. Uh, mm-hmm. But you do have John Crichton. Yep. Uh, and uh, I like, I guess that doesn't really count as a bottle episode. Uh, I don't remember if they start on the ship or not. I don't know, but I mean, if their ship is a set that's right next to the SGC anyway, so it would still... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. There you go. Uh, I like that one. Yeah. Like, I think Hathor from later in this season probably mm. kind of counts they have they have one guest star on it and they have like a, another short set they, sh- they use at the beginning and yeah it's, at it, the beginning yeah it's 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 also a terrible episode <laughs> so. it's not good it's not. Uh, oh, oh but yeah the, it's, it's the worst one there the bottle mm-hmm. the one bottle episode of eureka where they were just trapped in the in the guy's house because the house just mm. refused to let them leave yeah oh, God, yeah. yeah yeah eureka Man, is eureka like a- dark gates dumber cousin show but yes mm-hmm. very delightful though oh it's mm-hmm. fun but it's weird because like yeah. all of the government guys are the same government guys from this show yes yeah it's a pretty good episode of barbie life in the dream house where <laughs> they make i think ken makes barbie like a special like outfit coordinating ai and uh it decides to lock her and another couple of the people inside the closet and to make all the decisions <laughs> for them. And Fantastic. then it turns out somebody accidentally uh, flipped the switch to evil. Oh, and no. they were confused why there was even a switch for that. It's mostly like a uh, 2001 Space Odyssey HAL kind of okay. riff. Sure. Uh, I mean, the evil switch was al- also literally a Simpsons gag. So there's there's yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know if if it counts as a bottled episode if it's a, like a CG show. I get. I guess CG. I don't see shows, why not. Yeah, they, they have, have their sets. sets. Yeah, they're just I virtual. Mean, it's and, a computer generated bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if they're like if they're stuck in that closet for the whole episode, they don't have to render any new 
uh, sets for that show. Good, good answer, Eric. Uh, unexpected. <laughs> um, so that's it for questions. Uh, if you have any questions you want to take, you you want to ask, send them over to our Twitter at Jaffa Takes. Uh, you can also send an email to Jaffa Takes Podcast at gmail.com uh, if you want to have your questions read on air and that's going to do it for this episode eric do you have anything you want to plug uh you can follow me on twitter at the moon rules that's d-a-m-o-o-n-r-u-l-z uh when do you think this episode would go live uh saturday which is the 21st of may Okay, so on Saturday, it will be day 14 of the current sumo tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, it's possible that the winner will have been decided by that point. Uh, but if it hasn't, then Saturday night and Sunday night, you can join us on the Audio Entropy Discord mm -hmm. to watch the final two nights of the sumo tournament. And hopefully we will have a compelling ending. Maybe if we're really lucky, a playoff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the that audio... sounds like fun. Yeah. Speaking of the Audio Entropy Discord, I haven't really plugged this on the podcast yet, but uh, there's a Jaffa Takes channel on there, so if you join uh, the Audio Entropy Underground uh, Discord server, uh, uh, scroll down the, the channel list, you, you, find, you find the one titled Jaffa Takes, uh, if you want to go there and chat with uh, viewers and some uh, cast members. Uh, I tend to go on there sometimes and just chat with people. It's pretty fun if you want to go there and just shoot the shit. Um, feel free to. You're welcome. Uh, Kavika, anything you want to plug or say? or? Uh, no. Uh, except for uh, I think I've determined the voltage. Oh. Uh, what the Stargate runs on. Yes. But we'll, we, can, we can bring that up later. Okay. We yeah, can bring that up in later. The, in the episode that is concerned with powering yeah. the Stargate. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell everybody my uh, my, methodo my uh, methodology on that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll have to make sure to remember to have you on on that episode. Uh, M, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at M of Healy. And yeah, that's about it. You can also find me on the Dario Entropy Discord. I'm posting there pretty often. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, my personal Twitter is the real Semben. You can follow me there uh, for all kinds of discourse about any topic that passes through my head uh i'm a little too much on there to be honest with you so uh have fun with that uh and oh yeah i listened to teenagers with attitude uh the power rangers rewatch podcast that i'm also a uh, frequent guest on uh it's hosted by our buddy zach who's been on an episode of this and which i'm hoping to get back next week considering uh, the guest stars that are on that episode of Stargate. Oh my god, he's gonna hate it. <laughs> you, you're gonna have him on a really series episode? He's never gonna come back. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, he's... Yeah. I, I've had him on for a part of the of the movie, and he's a good friend, so it, it'll be fine. I hope for our friendship. I, re <laughs> I really like this restaurant. I want you to have the worst meal they make. No, but it's... it's yeah, anyway... Uh, We'll see next week if I, if I can convince him to be on or anyone else uh, for Emancipation. Uh, uh. The second worst episode of Stargate, if I'm being honest, in my opinion. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's been uh, Jeff It Takes. Uh, see you see all next week. Good luck, everyone. Uh, remember to keep your head out of the Stargate. And yes. Yeah, and 
Ankrig.